With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's figure out what the heck happened last weekend. News, notes, game review. Phil's, is Phil Sims coming on? Nah, I haven't even talked to him. Nah, text him. Hit him up. Okay. Yeah, text let's him say. right now. How are you guys? I'm good. How are you? Uh, just, you know, looking at your jacket going, no, I've only had a jacket that looks exactly oh, like that. Oh, I know. That yeah, Lefko acts years. like he, like, cornered the market. Like, he was the first person ever to wear bomber jackets. Like, he's the only person not allowed. I don't know if he knew until Woody told him what a bomber jacket was. In fact, your style pre- Bleacher Report? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So my style pre bleacher report right. was Hold on, let me text my father. Is Josh on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> like on a Tuesday. Wait, wearing? Isn't no, it nice? You wear really nice stuff on, on when you know days. you're on the podcast. That's true. When you're not, it's Sims's top button thing yep. without the top With no button. Top button. Yeah. Uh, your style is one of the most discussed topics in yes. our podcast comment section. Yeah. Constantly. Well, I think it's like for people that don't know, we've said Woody a long time. Woody is our makeup artist and she also picks out clothes and stuff for us. New sweatshirt, by the way? Yeah. Looks like a little, little camo. Can't see me. I'm a floating head. But when I first got here, I was like a yellow polo, blue docker, <laughs> like a boat shoe. I actually have a, found an unbelievable picture on my phone today. Do you remember the yellow socks you used to wear to the office? Oh, my God. So I have a picture of you with By the way, note jeans. to everyone, including my brother. Everyone likes colorful socks. Yellow ain't the one. Yeah. Everyone looks ridiculous in yellow socks. It's a note for everyone out there. It's you in a white button-down jeans, but you've rolled up the jeans that was a style to your me. shins, yes. and then you've got the yellow oh, socks. Oh, I remember when I used that. to roll around yeah, like that? That Let me was see if so I horrible. This. All yes. right, start the podcast. Was, I'll find the picture. Yes. But really what's happened is I've gone to Woody and gone, I am your, I am your help me muse. Your muse, right? It's not muse. It is. No, I am your blank canvas. No, it's muse. That's what she is paid for uh, by it is. the uh, Saint Laurent. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, what was I thinking? That's a Tuesday at Bleacher Report. I'll put this over the YouTube. Oh okay, my gosh! And I thought I knew what I was doing. Oh my gosh! Rocking the red solo cup, probably Jeez. two o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. I, I don't, I've water. never worn color socks in my life. What color socks do you wear? Black. Or white. Every day. You don't have a gray? No. Why? What do I need them for? How many pairs of black socks do you own? Probably 20. I feel like walking into his house would be like a monochromatic. It would be like one color everywhere. I, well, that's the way my wife would like it. It's like organized by color just, and all that? Well, yeah. yeah. Just Well, my wife would like, like everything in the house to be white and modern. That's the way she always like, wants I the house. Yeah. Well, if you want to see what my socks are going to look like in person, boy, do we have a deal for you. Atlanta, 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 Atlanta. Email simsandlefko at gmail.com as soon as possible. Josh, we were talking right before the show. 
we're getting to a point where we're going to be sold out. We're getting to a point where I'm being DM'd by people that work at places in the NFL going, hey, I'm going to be able to swing by and just check out the show, right? And right. I go, I don't know. Yeah. Because you're going to have to email Fendrick because there's going to be a list because capacity is a thing. So Tuesday at, what was it, 5? Five. 5. Tuesday at 5, Wednesday at 5, Thursday at 6, Friday at 4.30. Email simsonlufko at gmail.com. Give us your name, how many people, if you want, a little brief description. Because apparently a lot of people are telling Josh that we have a lot of Saints fans coming. Woo! A lot of Saints fans and a lot of Survivor fans coming. It Woo! seems that I'm a bit of a draw for this event. People <laughs> want to come and talk about Survivor with me. Okay. So maybe that'll be the after show. It'll just be me up there doing a monologue about Survivor. What day do we do the show show? Thursday. Thursday. That's Thursday. So why are we doing it on a Thursday? Because that's the big night of Super Bowl week. Everyone's going to be there. No yeah. one's left town you know, yet. Like, for people that have never been to Super Bowl, right. the some stars will come in Tuesday, but yeah. that's usually where you're interviewing a Herman Moore or an Orlando Pace. Right. Wednesday, that's when like ESPN and NFL Network start broadcasting live from there. Thursday, I've always felt, is the, the money day. day. Thursday is when like everyone's there and it's bumping and that's when people are willing to make predictions. It just that's that's when Super Bowl week I think really gets going. It's going to yeah, be Friday does. of Super Bowl week and Chris is still going to be asking me what day are we doing the show. And I'll be like, we did it last <laughs> night. Pro- probably we did it last but night. Honestly, six. but I would tell people like. Tuesday and Wednesday are super fun because it's going to be a lot more relaxed and we're going to have a lot more time to chill afterwards yeah. and drink that 1942. Cool. So Josh is going to be sending an email next week, uh, Pro Bowl week, and bring the energy. We're going to have some drink tickets. The cameras are going to be on. We're going to do Q&As, maybe bring some questions, hang out. It'll be fun. Uh, and I'm hoping to really resonate with the Falcons fans because the Falcons-Saints rivalry, if the Saints get there, is becoming a thing. Why? Do the Falcons fans actually like us now? The Atlanta may. Oh, yeah. Right. It, that's the funny thing right. is that no fan base really hated us for longer than Atlanta right. and now I'm like Atlanta fans <laughs> I'm on your <laughs> side seriously Atlanta mayor Keisha Bottoms comes out and says I'm really rooting for anybody other than the Saints and then a New Orleans City Councilman Jay Banks responded we're still coming and it's not our fault that our team sucks right so we already got a little Atlanta New Orleans rivalry. It really is one of the best sports rivalries where they just come at each other's necks all the time. Oh, I feel like it went up another level after Hurricane Katrina. That's when it went in to what it. way? Because the cities crossed over and a lot of people from New Orleans had to go to Atlanta. Exactly right. And it became like a lot of gang issues and everything like that. And I feel like it became way more personal from that point on. I could be wrong, but I, I just also, feel like that. I think that it went up another notch when the Falcons blew the 28-3 to lead because no fan base leaned into that harder than the Saints. Uh, the Saints. Right. I would say Saints fans. I see more fans that, that have Florida Lees in their handles that also say, by the way, the Falcons blew a 28-3 to lead right. than Patriots fans. Right. Like they really enjoyed that, so uh, it's a it's a I'm cool I'm happy to be in the middle of. So do we have Saint fans that already bought the tickets? Yes, Ooh, we're not buying any tickets. Jinx. They're free, yeah. tickets. Oh, free, they're tickets. free tickets, but, they, but they're, they're, they're emailing up. me and they're saying I'm a Saints fan. I can't wait to see Lefka. Right, it's just whatever. Gosh, they're they're jinxing their team a little I, early. I honestly, oh, that's the other thing that I'm loving. The, yeah. the guy coming out and saying we're going to go to Atlanta. Whoever comes out earlier in the week with the confidence. Who said that? The city council, the city council, yeah. get you, get yeah. you, get you, yeah. But yeah. we might have to do like a roast where we let some of the Saints fans on stage just take and the just, mic. You get twenty seconds, right. say whatever you want to left. I'm down. If the yeah. Saints are in the Super Bowl, we're probably not going to have a choice. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we have to do that. Uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, the officiating crew came out. Referee is going to be John Perry. By the way, I went back and looked. He did do a Patriots Super Bowl, and it was the 2011 Patriots-Giants Super Bowl. So I'm sure if the Patriots get there, they'll hear. Big fan of John. One of my favorite refs. Seems like a good guy. Yeah, he's His great. field judge for the game? Yeah. Your boy. Yeah. Steve Zimmer. Hey. So you got pushed by a Super Bowl ref. Yes, I did. How lucky I am. Yep. He probably earned his way with that last check mark right there. They're like, you're, you're good enough to handle the Super Bowl sideline. I implore you, if you haven't seen it yet, go on YouTube, watch Sims and Lefko the show. They slow-moed it, and they zoomed in on it. And to watch him do the full hit, and then also, like, you see him really push you. Right. The, the, the Zapruder film of it <laughs> yeah. makes it that much better. Right. There was nobody on the grassy knoll, though. Uh, to look to look to your left to you look to your left and yeah. realize that it was all mud. Right. And if you would have face planted, you would have come up hey. in all mud. Right. It, uh, What's his name? Steve Zimmer. Yeah, he's just lucky he did that on a football field. Because if he did that outside of Arrowhead Stadium, Ooh, deep shit. Really deep shit. If he would have bumped you, I would have gave him the. Uh, I would have gave him the uh, Pedro Martinez Don Zimmer treatment. Okay, I'd have grabbed his head Grab and thrown him it in the, the ground. Head and throw it down. <laughs> that was still one of the best moments. That was man. pretty good. The best part is if you look at Pedro Martinez's fingers, they're indenting in, his, in head. his head. Yeah, and his he head's was so fat. He was such a cool dude, uh, Zimmer too. He used to come to our practices and. Tampa not Zimmer. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. He's he's dead now. No, God his rest name is not Zimmer. Um, what was his name? The, the, you, we just said it. It wasn't that. It wasn't Don Zimmer. Duh. Was it? I think it was. I, I think like you might was. be right. Yeah. Bench coach for the the Yankees. Don and Zimmer. All Don yeah, Zimmer. Right. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. I just I was like, what are the odds that Don Zimmer and, and Steve Zimmer are the same? <laughs> yes, right. There was a little history made for your collegiate conference, the Big Twelve. Hmm. And a question made its way. Was this on Reddit, Josh? Uh, I think I just saw it. I just saw an article on Twitter about okay. it. Okay, newsok.com. Four Big 12 quarterbacks, and at home, you answer this question too, so Sims, pause. Yep. There are four Big 12 quarterbacks to start an NFL playoff game in history. Only one has won a playoff game. Who are the four, and who's the winner? Give yourself a second to think. All the fans at home think. Four Big 12 quarterbacks to start a playoff game. Only one won the playoff game. You oh. can pause your podcast now if you want to come up with it. Are we ready? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I'm one. You hey. are one. So, oh, by the way, when Josh asked me this, right. off the top of my head, I got three of the four, and I would have gotten four, but I went the different way. So Mahomes has to be yep, he, he's the one he's that the won. Winner. Yep. Okay, but man, So hold you on and Mahomes on a list. Man, Mahomes on a list. Uh, wait, wait, hold Just on. a couple of homies. Who the hell am I missing here? I'm, I know I'm going to miss some obvious ones. Big 12 quarterbacks... Damn, Seneca didn't start any games there. Um, damn, Sam Bradford didn't make any playoff games. Nope. Um, holy crap! I'll give you hints if you're stumped. But I, yeah, give me a, give me a school. All right. All right. Well, well, now it's gonna give it away. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hold on, hold on. I'm missing somebody obvious. Oh. No, I was going to say one of the McCowns went to A&M, the oldest let him, McCown. Let him keep okay. going. Hold on, hold on. i got to start going through the schools here. Um, Colorado didn't have anybody that would have done that. <laughs> Baylor. Oh, RG3. Bang. Yep, there we go. Three. Okay. Okay. So okay. I got those three, too, and I guessed on the last one, Brandon Whedon. Okay. Because he play- I thought he played in that Texans playoff game, right. but I don't think he started. I so think, yeah, I think other, you're right. Th- this next one is a tough one. Get. I no. should get it. Yeah. This is the easiest one. 
It's the easiest no, one. The easiest one was well, him. Yeah, you. Right. But hold on. Vince didn't play a playoff game. And that's what I thought, but yeah. he's the fourth one. He started one for the Titans. Did he really? In 07. 07. I just don't remember them. Who I, they played? I didn't think that Vince Young played in the playoff game either. Yeah. the game. That's yeah. so funny. That's That was my issue. Yeah, right. So 07. I'm trying to think. Man, those Titan teams are good. Um, but I can't think you of- You were on that team at what year? 08. 08. So the uh, year after. Yeah, eight and ten. They lost to the Chargers in the playoffs. Oh, in the wild card out in Los An- uh, San Diego. Correct. I do remember it now. Yep. Seventeen to six. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you're on a list. It's it's. Listen to this list. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Right. Vince Young. RG three. <laughs> Chris Sims. Arguably the best of them all. Athleticism. <laughs> it's a you're lot on, of you were on yeah. another list this week too. There was a graphic going around Instagram. Broncos starting quarterback since John Elway retired. Oh, that's and how many were there? Yeah. Ooh, a uh, lot of them. let's see. Plummer, yeah. Plummer, Cutler, Sims, Orton. I could read him. Keenan yeah. Farratt, Paxton, Greasy Cutler, Chris Miller, Brock Osweiler, Tebow, Orton, Burline Plummer. Peyton yeah. Manning, Trevor Simeon, yeah. Danny Cannell, Darius Jackson, and Chris Sims. Man, Darius Jackson, too. Damn, he started a game. Holy cow. Remember Darius Jackson, the yeah. Notre Dame quarterback? Yes. Who, yeah. It's funny. I look at two franchises, Broncos and Dolphins. Right. And they're still obsessed with their 80s quarterback. Yeah, they are. I mean, those two were... It's, it's who's going to fill in the shadow of John Elway and Dan Marino. The city was literally formed around the fabric of fabric of them, though. Like, that's you, where it's if weird. If you go to Denver, the yeah. Elway car dealerships right. and all that stuff, right. it, his face and name was everywhere. And Marino was kind of the same way because Wayne Huizinga got him involved in a lot of the Real like estate, gated communities yeah. and all that stuff in South Florida where he got involved. Golf courses and all those things. Right. All right, let's get to the news. There's a lot to get to. We're yeah. We're going to start off first with one of the best uses of Lefko PR by a player I've seen. All right. Antonio Brown apparently reached out to Jerry Rice and said, this is what Jerry Rice said, he's talking about running the hill with me, yep. doing all that and just working out and just picking my brain. I don't know if it's going to happen because it's up to Shanahan and Lynch, but I'm all for it if he wants to come on board. He really wants to come here bad. Right. This is an amazing move by Antonio Brown. You reach out to a legend in a city, and what do legends want more than anything? They want to share their experience with younger people. Right. Everyone thinks that they have the keys, and the key is just bust your ass and work hard. But anyway, yeah. now San Francisco Niners fans, the Niners are the favorite to land Antonio Brown in Vegas. They're going, Jerry is going to mentor Antonio Brown, and then Antonio Brown with George... Finocchio hit me up. Yeah. George Kittle, Antonio Brown, Jarek McKinnon, Jimmy Garoppolo. This is a great team. Yes. And it could be. Yes. But it's a great left PR. Right. It's a great but, move by him. But you don't want Antonio Brown the Niners. I mean, I just, you know, and again, I haven't talked to my buddy in a while. We've texted a few times, but all together, like, I just would say buyer beware. I mean, buyer beware. I mean, we know enough stories that... Antonio Brown has been part of dysfunction in Pittsburgh for the last seven years. I mean, a number of issues. And, I mean, any head coach should be scared of Antonio Brown because when you get Antonio Brown uh, and he starts to go off the handle, you get accused of lack of institutional control. And that's all we talk about with Mike Tomlin now because of one guy. One guy has made us all think Mike Tomlin lost control of the team. 
That and because Le'Veon Bell made a business decision not to play. And Martavis Bryant was right. getting in trouble all the time. Yeah, right. Which, again, he didn't draft Martavis Bryant. And he can't go home with him and go like, no, put the weed down, man, or yeah. don't do that. So, like, that's where a head coach has to be Porter really careful. And went on the field and got in a fight with a player. Yes. Okay, that'll, that'll give. You're right. Okay. That's something that certainly Mike Tomlin should watch out. Yeah. Joey Porter's been doing that his whole life. I mean, his dogs have eaten, like, three neighbors' dogs, too. So, Time out. That's a story? That's a story. He's had his dog... His dogs have attacked neighbor a neighbor's dog, I think, on two separate occasions. You can look that up to verify so we don't get that they've like killed the neighbor's dogs. How does they that got make loose. you feel as an animal person? Uh, I mean, ridiculous. Okay, so I just Googled uh, Joey, Joey Porter, Porter dog. Dogs. Right. First headline that comes up, Joey Porter's dog gets loose, kills miniature horse. Miniature, miniature horse. horse. That was the point Holy I remember. Holy crap! Right. What kind of a dog? And then there's is another this? incident where Second it happens headline, with a dog. Right. Joey Porter's dogs kill again. Yes. And then third headline: Joey Porter's dog kills a horse. So yeah, seems like this is an so issue. So here's the thing: if something went onto their yard, <laughs> dogs can kill. Dog can't get loose and kill a horse in someone else's yard. Wow. See. And they, I'm Porter, just bringing nuance to the show. I'm giving it. some in- intricate details there. You weren't expecting this. Also, to not. <laughs> Bruce Arians came out and right. called out Antonio Brown. I heard. Pretty much saying, called him a diva. He was really good his rookie year, but right. then eventually became a diva. Antonio Brown just responded on Twitter. Right. Here's what he tweeted. Yeah. He didn't draft me. He drafted Emmanuel Sanders, same guy who missed rehab, to go on networks to talk about me on situation he has zero clue. Arians now wears a Kangol hat and glasses, but I'm a diva. I don't seen it all. Then they say we friends. Stop lying. He spelled lion, L-I-E-N, Ooh. which is lean. 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 Um, oh, my God. And then a beautiful Lefko PR just came on my phone. What? 320-pound uh, defensive tackle can do backflips. To all the college athletes out there, I'd like to remind you about Jason Pierre-Paul. If you are a large man and you can do a backflip or dunk a basketball... Do it now and post it on social media it because it's going to improve improve your draft stock by a round or two. Who was it? Who was it? Did it say the name or the school or the guy? Former Western Illinois defensive tackle Kalen Saunders. Jeez, Hunt. 320. Here's what they wrote. Stock in the NFL draft might go up after this. (laughs) It's things like this that get in people's head and they They go, well, we know his athleticism. Did you see that one backflip he did? Yeah, no. Because the time a defensive tackle does a backflip and then sacks Tom Brady will be the first. Uh, Nathaniel, Still amazing, though. Nathaniel Hackett yeah. going to Green Bay. Yes. A lot of people hit yeah. us up Monday night and said they were excited to hear What a Sims and Lefko combination. Great. Great. And a great hire by Matt LaFleur, too, who's somebody who's I, you know, hopefully realizes like, hey, it, it'd be good for me to have somebody in the building with me that's, you know, kind of a tried and trusted offensive coordinator to help me out along the way and we can be a tandem and work together. Look. And it, and, I, and I talked about this a lot this weekend, even with like, uh, I was in the car with Dungy at one point in the game and I was like, I don't get why Nate Hackett hasn't like been involved in like more conversations for offensive coordinators talks. I mean... The guy invented an offense, like we said, for a year where he made 90 million different ways to throw the three throws that Blake Bortles can throw. And there, to me, that is genius in itself. He was the number six offense in football last year with Blake Bortles. With Blake Bortles. So, um, yes, I think that him and LaFleur would be a good combination. And look at their offense this year when he went down. Look, LaFleur was watching a lot of film of the Jaguars with the Titans. And I'm sure he flipped it over and went – Man, how are they moving the ball with Blake Bortles as their quarterback? That's a valid point, right. I just love, though, that now 
we've got two good minds yeah. in there with Aaron mm-hmm. that are not running the same system, that are not running the same styles. I saw an interview with Matt LaFleur where he came out and said, everything is about distraction and disguise. Yes. We want to be repetitive in our play calling, but dial it up so that you don't know. We're going to get to your Rams film later, but that's the reason people are hiring these Sean McVay guys. Sure. Because if you, from your notes in the Rams yeah. game, it was the same things over and over again. They all look the same, but yeah. they're all different. Yes. And if they can do that with Rodgers, who can throw it better than anybody, right. here we go. No doubt about it. Nathaniel's amazing with play action and bootlegs and stuff like that. That will be, uh, of course, right in the wheelhouse of what Rodgers does. And it's a similar – it's still the West Coast offense. So the learning curve for Rodgers is going to be nothing. Right. It's really – he's going to have some of this, like, you know, slant flat might have been lion in one offense, and now he's going to, and now it's going to be bangle. I mean, it's going to be like something very similar either way. There is a internet meme challenge right now, yeah. Sims. It's called the 10-year ten ten year challenge. Right, so you've right. heard about it. I have, yes. My wife has told me about because it. Because there's nothing they like doing more than going back in their phone and looking at old pictures right. and feeling like Yeah, my wife was something. hot 10 years ago, man. I looked really good 10 years ago. <laughs> um well, is there and, and what you're doing is you're showing what you look like, and then a lot of people want to show their glow up, right? You know how they've changed. Right. Aaron Nathaniel Hackett going from Blake Bortles to Aaron Rodgers is the greatest glow up of all time. Yeah. If this was a ten year challenge, it's undefeated. Yeah. He, I don't even think he's going to understand what he can do now. No, I know. He was, I, he was in the running for Detroit and Green Bay. Which he must have been like, man, two quarterbacks, I could just throw it anywhere on the field. But yes, this is going to be like, you know, kid in a candy store. I'm just worried that he's going to go to Rodgers and go, do you feel comfortable throwing an out? And Rodgers <laughs> is going to go, yes. <laughs> oh, Get him so open good. and I'm comfortable. So he leaves Jacksonville, yep. which means Jacksonville needs an OC. And they hire John D. Filippo, Which sets up. Dun, 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 dun. Nick Foles. We have breaking news. The Philadelphia Eagles have traded Nick Foles for seven first-round picks to play with John DeFilippo in Jacksonville. Is that what you, you thought the first no time, too? No doubt about it, yes. Good. It's setting up for that. It's certainly – I mean, there's there's not only that with the fact that Foles will know DeFilippo's offense and be able to transition, transition nicely, but I also think of guys like Marone and Tom Coughlin, and at the end of the day – they come from the Parcells School of Coaching, which is like Belichick, of course, and they believe in big pocket quarterbacks. They they really do. Their their thing is no, I want a quarterback that can stand in the pocket. And that make is throws. one thing Blake was. He is. Blake's a big dude. He didn't want that. Somebody with big hands that's going to be able to throw the ball in the elements when it comes playoff time, December, January, or anything like that. And I think that they're getting DeFilippo after a humbling moment yep. where hopefully it's not just two receiver routes with Max Protect. And Marone is going to make him run. That's the big thing. That's that's what I thought was so funny yeah. is to go from Zimmer to Marone. Right. If you didn't learn, you're going to learn again. Yeah, exactly right. Marone's not going to – I mean, Marone's an ex-old line coach. He's going to make you run, so – He's not going to have a choice in a lot of these uh, in these football games. So the Eagles have announced they are moving forward with Carson Wentz as their quarterback. Uh, it's the number one question that everyone asks me all the time. What should they do? What should they do? Before I go, do you have any inside information on what's going on? Right I now? don't have any inside information what right now. What were you now? talking about on Monday while we were taping the or Tuesday while we were taping the show? Um, maybe you were just speculating. 
about franchise tagging for Yeah, you and- certainly that would be on the table to franchise tag him and then hold him hostage and then try to trade him and then let him renegotiate a contract with whatever team that wants to trade, right? right. Um, but he could also be a jerk that way and say, well, I'm not signing the franchise, and then he's kind of got the power as well. He also has an, so, uh, there's a mutual option of yes. a $25 million one year. $20 deal. million, yes. $20 million one year. And he year can deal. buy out for $2 million. If he pays the team out, pays the team two million dollars, so he'd be giving back the bonus he got. Didn't he get a million dollar bonus after week seventeen? Yeah. yeah, something like that. They right. gave it to him, even though he didn't. Even reach though he didn't get it, right. of the snaps. Right. Um, it's the right decision. Carson Wentz is still better than Nick Foles. I don't care what anybody says. We've seen one season of Nick Foles be successful in his career in the NFL. And just twenty-seven and two. Right, and I'm just going to recognize once again remind everybody that. The best Eagles team I ever saw was the one when Carson Wentz was the quarterback the year he should have been the MVP last year, even with though the, he just missed the last two games. With the Frank Reich offense. That was the best team I ever saw. Philly was unstoppable at that point, and he was the MVP in football. And we saw again this year that, yes, Nick Foles got the benefit of the doubt of taking over the reins when kind of the team got healthy and got things straight and started to get back to really what made them successful a little bit more last year, too. But, like, did everybody forget the start of the season? Did everybody forget 19 for 34 for 117 yards and two interception, or one interception against Atlanta? Whoa! Holy cow! Did Tampa everyone Bay. forget week, week two when, yeah, he threw for 300 yards, but all of it was bullcrap yardage at the end of the game. My my issue is not about remembering Foles' faults, because I think that he is a a good quarterback Mm -hmm. in this league. Yes, I think that they're forgetting Wentz's capabilities. I think that's it, too. And I I think I watched the Saints game, and there was multiple times in the second half where I said, this is a Carson Wentz game, not a Foles game, because Lattimore is back. And the 50-50 balls were not there, and the wide receivers for the Eagles weren't able to get it. They needed somebody that was a running threat. And if Wentz, There was times to run, for sure. Uh, uh, when, when yeah. There were times where I just said, Wentz needs to truck somebody and go for six. Yeah, you mean Foles. No, no, I'm saying Wentz, like they need Wentz to be out oh, there. Oh, we got you. But got they you. don't have him. Right. And, and that's an aspect that Foles doesn't have. Yeah. Foles has better touch than Wentz. Definitely. Like, he, sure. he can drop it in there. Got great he timing. also... He's just got a better rapport with some of the receivers. Like he has a better rapport with Alshon, and yeah. that's the fact. Sure. And Carson, I think, has a better rapport with Ertz. Yeah. And, and full, I mean, if if Collinsworth talked one more time about how he played basketball and he knows how to enter in the post, I get it. Yeah. But no, Wentz is the guy. But I thought Foles had a quote that went exactly to what we've always said. Yeah. We said last year with the four teams that were in the championship games with Keenum, Bortles, and Foles, it's not all about the quarterback, and Foles said that too. Um, he said teams are going to build around the quarterback, but as a QB, you got to know your offense. you got to know special teams. you got to talk to guys during the game. It's not all about you. That's something that's so important. It's something that resonates. That's something that when we're down, the defense all, always knows we're going to get the ball back. He later said the quarterback is a piece of the puzzle, and you create that confidence in the locker room, and you let guys know who you are. It's just it was well a whole, said. It was just a whole thing, and so there's more to yeah. it. But it's not all about the quarterback. No, I mean, yeah, you know, Nick Foles had he was crap with the Rams that year, right? So would every other quarterback been crap that year. If they put Tom Brady on that same Rams team, it would have been crap. 
I mean, there's no other way to say it. So not Mahomes. No, well, I mean, no, but that's like <laughs> that's a different guy. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. that's why we're all fawning over him because he can run up between the guard and the center gap and throw the ball through the tackle and tight end gap for a 20 yard gain like he did the other night. I mean, nobody in football can do that. Not even number 12, I don't think. So yeah, I Rogers, mean that, yeah. that's that's different, you know. But yes, everybody needs support. Uh, and it's just it's a team game again. Look at the look at New England this week. I mean, we talked about it a number of times. Brady didn't throw a ball over five yards until like the end of the first quarter, but yet he was probably like ten for ten and marching down the field. But because he had support and a yes. good plan and everything worked around him. I want to give a shout out to Kevin Clark of the Ringer who had a really good article that. The Patriots teach us what the NFL is all about. Yes. And one of his lines was, you're going to hear a lot about this in the next two weeks. The top four offenses are in the NFL playoffs. Yeah. And everyone's going to say that's the modern day NFL. Yeah. Well, last year's final four was the top four defenses. Right. Eagles, Vikings, Jaguars, Patriots. So this isn't a trend. The only trend is the Patriots were in both. And I thought it was a great point by him right. because they can adapt, right. and it's about changing. And I think that, uh, that I'm so excited to break this down tomorrow and go, what is Belichick going to do to Mahomes that the rest of the NFL is going to steal for the next five years? Yes, uh, I, I hear you. Uh, and the, the, here, to, to that point, too, with what you're saying about the offenses, too, I think that even further that along, because everybody thinks offenses now is, it's the, it's the spread. College is taking over. Um, let me just remind everybody, third best team running the football in the NFL, Los Angeles Rams. Fifth best team at running the football in the NFL, New England Patriots. Sixth best team in the NFL running the football, New Orleans Saints. So, again, um, New England and these good teams are showing us, too, that you know they've evolved past this, like, oh, spread, blah, blah, blah. They've started a new age where like I think some teams are still like trying to catch up into the spread crap and they're yeah. going, "Oh, well, this is a new way to play." I don't even know what my point was, but I just thought that was interesting off of your top You're just offense saying, thing. It's not always about throwing it 50 it's, times. Right, exactly right. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank uh you. and then I love that Howie Roseman came out and said, "Look, we're going to do what helps our football team." Right. Cuz I love Nick Foles. Yeah. I do too. I don't need him to walk away wherever he wants because if he ends up in New York, yeah. I got a problem. Right. Like, I, I don't want to see Nick Foles and the Giants twice a year. Yeah, I hear you. I, they they, they got to do what's best for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a business. Nick Foles understands that. And I, you know, between Howie Roseman, uh, Doug Peterson, and Nick Foles, like, I think they're very mature, logical, respectable human beings that will figure out a way to make this work for everybody. They've been upfront with Foles from the beginning. Yes. They've been honest with him. And right. the other thing I love, some GMs in this league don't trade a lot. Howie has traded a ton. So I'm not worried that he's going to find a suitor because Howie is really good at calling around. The problem right now, I was talking about this in the kitchen, we've had 11 new quarterbacks enter the league in Mm -hmm. the last three years, and they filled all the holes. Five quarterbacks this year. The year before, Mahomes, Watson, Trubisky. The year before that, well, the year before that, Goff, Wentz, Dak. And they've all hit. Yeah. So sometimes you get the misses, and then, oh, we still have an issue there. Really, it's Giants, Jaguars, Washington, and who else? As far as just needing, needing a, a quarterback. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's not as many teams as everybody thinks. You're and right. And so when I look at the NFL, I go, well, it's not going to Giants and Washington. You're right. not trading them in the division. Right. Because they traded Donovan in the Cincinnati division. Cincinnati you can maybe make a case for. Cincinnati you can make a case. Right. And Zach Taylor. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. But 
But they traded Donovan to Washington because Donovan was done. Yeah. And Washington thought they could get more out of him. Right. You know more about that. But it's Jacksonville. Yes. And Miami's in that combo, too. You're right. That's o- the other one. Oakland? No, they're nah. going to stay with Derek Carr. I mean, I think that there would be pitchforks and flames in the street if they decide to get rid of him, too. Yep. So I think Gruden knows. all the guys. Right. I think Gruden realizes that. But, no, I'm, I'm hoping they get something for him, whether it's a sign-in trade or a franchise tag-in trade or an option-in and trade. Miami uh, would make a lot of sense. Brian Flores going down there. He's dep- in, for me, who does he bring in as his OC? Well, I know. It's going to depend, but I know still institutional-wise, he's going to have the New England thought of, I need a guy that can go up to New England in December or the Jets in December or Buffalo in November and be able to throw in those elements, and that's what Foles can do. There's nothing I enjoy more right. than trading with the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> because when we got a second-round pick for A.J. Feely, right. it was one of the best trades of all time. <laughs> you were ready to offer Carson Wentz for Laramie Tunsil and two first-rounders on Sunday. I think Laramie Tunsil and two first-rounders would be a beautiful pull. <laughs> right? Tunsil's good. Tunsil's really good. And then I don't know what's going on with Jason Peters. So it feels... I don't know. That yeah. would be awesome. Yeah, it would be awesome. I just don't think you're trading for a quarterback and then giving away his blindside protection. But, no. Right. Uh, the only other thing, oh, there's a few more news and notes. One, you got really upset about Matt Nagy and talking about Parkey's appearance. Yeah. So apparently, Cody Parkey met with Matt Nagy, wrapped up the season. Cody Parkey didn't say, hey, in a few days I'm going to go on national television and talk about what it's like to fail. And then Nagy subsequently went into a press conference and said, it's all about we. It's not about me. We always talk as a team. We win as a team. That felt more like a me thing than a we thing. Right. And that pissed you off. Well, it pisses me off because I don't feel like he necessarily has lived by that credo uh, since he has taken over you know, in the NFL. And I'm going to find something real quick, so just bear with me because I have a picture in my phone and I want to bring it up. Of the graphic exactly. from week one or this two? This will always bother me if anybody's on the screen. Where, what screen can Text I show Text it to me. In? I'll put it on the YouTube. Okay. But, but just read it for people you know, listening. So this is Mitchell Trubisky, second game of the year, going out on the field against Seattle, right, in the Monday night football game. And he had just had a bad second half against Green Bay. Bad second half where he gave them a 20-3 to lead and they blew it, but they're going to blame Mitchell Trubisky. Added to the fact that I know Nagy is was telling people behind the scenes at that time too that you know his full scope of the offense wasn't in, and that they tried to like really uh, show off Chase Daniels in preseason game number four against a bunch of guys that aren't going to be in the NFL, yeah. and they play one coverage that game, the whole game. And this was back when Booger on the broadcast was just restating whatever somebody would tell him in pre-production. No, no doubt about it. So yes, that bothered me because you what know you head say? coach saying that this his quote card is I have to pull back what I am as a play caller. Wow, that is a great endorsement for your starting quarterback. And then on Woo! his play sheet it says BU. BU, yeah. So that bothers me, and Mitchell's I'm not giving them a free pass on that. Me. I'm not giving them a free pass on that. That was some bullcrap coach speak. Um, where, yeah, I'm all about the team until we talk about me, and then it, then it is me, and if they mess up, it's them, because it's not me. I mean, that's, that's basically what that came down to. And, yes, I'm still uh, my ass is still red about that. You want my left guard PR read? Yeah. Have you ever really wanted to like end something with someone, but you didn't want to be that one to end it, so you waited until they made a mistake and then blamed it all on that? Right. I guess I'm talking more relationships than anything else. Yeah, but... Sounds like Matt Nagy's going, I really didn't like that Cody Parkey thing, and I'm going to use that as part of the reason. 
to follow up the doinking with that, that's unacceptable. Yeah. I didn't just get rid of them because of the doinks. Right. But to follow it with that. That's a good thought as well. Right. You know? Yes, I know. And, you know, again, I'll, ch- I'll, I'll challenge anything, too. With it, it, So was Matt Nagy's full scope of his offense as a play caller, was that it? What we saw in Detroit and the loss to the New York Giants with Chase Daniel? Because if that was it, then, damn, it just ain't that good. I don't know what else to say. And, yes, that will bother me until he can, you know, make me feel better over time. Uh, two offensive line stuff really quick. I think the early winners of the offseason are the Denver Broncos. I didn't see this until today. Mm-hmm. It was down for their head coaching race between Mike Munchak, offensive line coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Vic Fangio, defensive coordinator of the Bears. They hire Fangio. They just got Mike Munchak as their offensive line coach. They got both. I know. And the main reason is Munchak wanted to be near his family in Denver that's phenomenal. We talk about getting teams that have a lot of head coaches on staff. It just provides leadership all over the place. But Mike Munchak is arguably the number one offensive line coach teacher in the league yeah. up there with Skarnecki and those guys. Yes. And you get him in Denver, who has had offensive line issues for right. the better part of the last five years. Right. What yeah. a steal. What a steal. I mean, really, one of the best coaches in football in general. I don't even care, offensive line, whatever it may be. He's He understands the game in its totality. And, yeah, for a guy like Vic Fangio, he's going to play, he wants to play defensive style of football, I'm sure, control the line of scrimmage a little bit, play action passes. Who Have they named an OC there yet? No. Am I blanking? Okay, There's yeah. one guy from the Niners. Uh, oh, uh, the QB coach yes. uh, from Kyle. I know I'm blanking on his damn name right he now. He looks like Nick Mullins. Right, he does a little bit. You're Trevecchio right. or yeah, something like that? Yeah, uh, damn. I can't think of his damn name. But either way, okay, that would fit well because Munchak, the way he wants to run the ball, is very similar to the way Kyle would run the ball as well. Scandarello. Scandarello, right. So um, uh, that is like what you said, Lefko. They knocked it out of the park with two top-notch coaches in Fangio and Munchak. It's, uh- Munchak's amazing. What I got through with Munchak when I was in Tennessee, I mean, CJ2K, and they're running the football. Uh, his eye for talent and some of the guys we drafted, it was off the charts. Mike Colombo just, or Mark Colombo just got a three year extension for the Cowboys, right. too. An offensive line coach, you've talked about reading defenses and all that stuff. Yeah. I always thought of as an offensive line coach kind of as like a rah, rah, let's kill him kind of right, guy. Right, right. But a mo- more brains there. Yeah, yeah, that really what it is. sounds like it is. It's really they're they're trench evaluators. Yes, exactly right, and they understand through a lot of the times like a Mike Munchak, he understands what really works and doesn't work. He's a Hall of Fame because he lineman. played exactly right, and he just goes, well, that's not realistic to ask in the left guard or damn. I remember when we had to play a defense end that's as disruptive as this, and we yeah. did this, so they can draw from their experiences, let alone teach great technique, and then also get in the ear of the offensive coordinator and go, you know, run the inside zone here. Yeah. Oh, let's run 96 Power King here. They're kicking his yeah, ass. Yeah, right, and do yeah. whatever it is. So that, that's what's the greatness about Munchak. Now, the surprising move to wrap up the notes yeah. is that the Colts fired their offensive line coach, Dave DeGuglielmo. Yes, good job. Where you, you've been pumping this guy up for a while. Right. There's been no unit that I think got more praise the end of the season than the Colts offensive line. Right. And it was shocking to a lot of people. Yes. One of the stories that's come out 
that I'm going to kind of share with you guys makes a little bit of a sense. Reich, uh, Coach Frank Reich, described Googs a while as blunt and direct and more of a throwback coach. Yes, definitely And when you is. combine this with this story of Denzel Good, so Denzel Good was an offensive lineman for the Colts that got waived midway through the season, asked for his release, and the reason now to the athletic it might explain it. Denzel Good's brother was fatally shot after the Houston game in like week four, and Good said that offensive line coach Guglielmo was upset that he had left the team and in a meeting in his office a month later told Good that he was a failure because he wanted the offensive lineman to play through everything. Good said, quote, I came back after my brother was murdered and I was dealing with a lot of personal issues. That didn't sit well with Dave. He wanted players that would fight through. He told me that as long as I was there, I would never play for him again. Mm. He then went to Chris Ballard and asked for his release and then he got it. So that makes a lot of sense. Yes, it does. But then our guy, Quentin Nelson, came out. Right. And he put a whole thing on Twitter. Ooh. And he wrote, let me see if I can find it. Not everybody's old school. I'll just talk while you you find yeah. it. Um, but not everybody's old school. Hey, I am the type of guy that, like, if my dad died during the week, I'd, I'd be playing on Sunday. And we could talk to my dad about that. It's just it's what I would do. I think he would want me to do that. But not everybody lives it that way. I and mean, not every- everyone ha- is expected to do exactly that. Exactly right. Not everybody is expected to live that. But there is certainly an old school fact. Like we saw Brett Favre do it and those kind of guys. Yeah, people from Belichick and all them. Yes, that's the way they operate. But there are people who operate in a different way and don't look as football as life. It's their job. They like to play it. But there's bigger things. And that's where it, it kind of can differentiate itself. It's a debate as old as time. Yeah. You have a baby that day. Are you going to play the game? No, I'm going to miss the birth. Yeah, I mean, no, that, that no debate. Way. All the time. Right. I, w- I almost didn't miss OTAs when my little girl. I wasn't going to miss my OTA when my little girl was born. I was like, whatever. They don't need me there. I'll yeah, just... and to me that sounds crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. But I wasn't going to miss it. On your deathbed, you're never going to look back and go, damn, I wish I took those extra snaps under John Wade's sweaty Damn, but ass. I might go, damn, what I, I missed saw. the birth of my child. What I saw it scarred me forever. <laughs> ah, I don't know why that. That was perfectly fine. It's my wife. It's I don't want to think kid. about your wife's birthing Man, process. It's crazy when you see that I don't, for the first I've time ever. I've been told ever. to stay above. They told, I did. I stayed above. They told me. They were like, do you want to come down here? And I was like, nope. I'm good over here. If I was the doctor, <laughs> I would have said, get under center. Put right. your hands there. And make sure you get they the didn't, snap I didn't even cut the cord on either one of my kids. I was like, no, Doc, you got it. I, yeah, you're an not, expert. I'm a quarterback. It's I shouldn't fine. be cutting Go anything. Go ahead. You're not you, cutting that out, Josh. Here's what Quentin Nelson uh, tweeted out. I'm seeing a lot of speculation talk from outsiders talking bad about Coach Googs. I just want to address it. He is a great fundamental coach and a great person. He unified us as an offensive line and pushed us to be the best. Anything else said about him is false. Mm. But of all the guys in the NFL... If I got to go to the alley right now, Quentin Nelson might be my guy. Oh. Because I think he'd go, I'm here for you, Adam. Like him not wearing sleeves. I did. On I the told, field? Did we talk about that on Monday? On no. The, like I was. So I'm getting ready to do my hit, right? About how loud the stadium is to start the game. And like literally, they're like, okay, it's going to be coming to you in like 30 seconds. And all of a sudden, out of the Colts locker room, because I'm right outside the Colts locker room, is here comes Quentin. I mean, he's such. Even for the NFL, he is such a huge human because he's truly like a cinder block with a head and arms. That's what he is built like, and he comes out with this tank top. and all. I mean, just unfazed. And as he's walking down the hallway, there's people who are working on the field and trying to clear snow, and he's the type of guy where they all stop in their tracks and they go, 
Look at that fucking guy right there. I don't I don't think they knew who he was, but they're just like, look at that fucking guy. Holy cow. Because his shoulders and his arm, he's got no neck and a he, big block he head. He looks like with his shirt off, like he's still wearing pads. Yes, he does. Exactly right. Exactly. You're not cutting that out, Josh. But wait, so what happened? So he walked on the field and did it mess you up for your hit? No, it did not. But I just, I was sitting there in awe too. Like, gosh, I mean, I saw him every week at Notre Dame last year. And I still, when I see him, I go, whew, he is one big MFer. He, it's, it's insane. Yeah. We got to call Phil. When? Well, he's ready. Uh, we said I told him four twenty. Do you not want to do it? Damn. No. Can we do? Can we do five ten? Five fifteen? Oh, there's no way. No. All right, no. then let's do Phil now. Let's do it. Right. Let's do I'm Phil sorry. Now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, you're booking. You're a booker. You know what I mean? Like we cut through. A <laughs> let's little... get him on the phone, Nikki G. He's yeah. calling now. All right. All right, and then my we call Phil my I totally forgot to remind him earlier today. Yep, some booking producer you are. Yeah. Oh, you would, man. I just think. can't. When I started talking about birth, I just couldn't. I looked at Josh the whole time. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Have you uh, talked to him at all this week? My dad missed my birth for practice. Let's We're start, starting right, start right there. Yeah. <laughs> practice? Wow. <laughs> yeah. He should answer here in a second. Hello. Yes. Hello. Oh, yes. Hello. Hello. Hello, Philip. What Phillip. are these uh, two guys doing today? You We're know. talking about NFL players missing the birth of their child for practice, and we hear you fit into that category. <laughs> oh, well, that is, man, right off the bat, we're going to smack me across the head with the old paddleboard. I like that. You know? That's you all right, Dad. I would have done the same. No, Chris says he would do the same thing, too. Hey, that's right. My wife would have said, yeah, don't even dare, Miss Practice. Stay there. Really? Don't let that other guy get any reps, take them all, to heck with them. <laughs> and yeah. I am not kidding. That's exactly what she would say. You better suck it up, Phil. Yep, that's it. That's, that's what right. she also hey. told my dad when he woke up with an inner ear infection in 1993. We heard oh, that right. one. Yeah, yeah, we heard that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Bull, no, she really didn't say suck it up at first. She says, bull, whatever, you're going to go play. That's oh, awesome. God, okay. I thought she was going to have a little sympathy for me, but that's the way it goes. But, you know, hey, Adam, can I talk to you for a second? I would love it. What would you think if you had a son and, you know, he had this good thought and it was really good and, 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 and I'm, you know, the father's always giving the son all kinds of things about the games and stuff and he goes, huh. oh, that's good. And I'd turn him on TV and watch him on radio and he's repeating some things that we talked about. So good. I contributed a little bit to his life. And he, you know, and then I, you know, listened to him. Yes, was it yesterday or Monday? I don't know when. Oh, well, you know, New England's playing the Chargers, and you give Bill Belichick two weeks, and he did, did this defense against Seattle. Look what he did. Look what he did against Atlanta, that defense. Oh, yeah. And then he does it against the Chargers who run the same defense. What did you expect in two weeks? And I thought, why the hell didn't you tell me that last week when we talked about this game? Like, and he goes, well, I said it during the week. Didn't you hear me? Oh, well, I'm sorry, son. I worked, too. I didn't get to hear every word you said during the week. He called me on Sunday after the game, and I went on that spiel with him after New England charges. And he goes, well, damn, why didn't you say that to me earlier in the week? That was That's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> but – we do have that type of relationship where, yes, I should have probably gave you that. Uh, oh, you think? But we talk football a lot, and yes, we certainly do use well, that's e- one. That's it, hey, come on, listen. That's like you know, it's that's like the sore thumb. I mean, that's the first one that should come out of your mouth <laughs> instead of telling about all these other things. Oh, you know, there you know, okay, but tell me something good. Tell uh, me something I awesome. don't know. Damn. Did you and see? You know what's really upsetting, Adam? What? What? 
it's so simple. I can't believe I didn't think of it. <laughs> yeah. And you pick, did you pick the Chargers, Phil? With, I tell it to them. They go, man, yeah, that's right. I didn't think of that either. I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, oh, well. So, you know, like, I got some really good stuff for the games this weekend. That's and you know great. what? I'm yeah, keeping to me, just to me. Nice. When you turn on Sunday, the first time you're going to hear some stuff, and it's going to be different, <laughs> yeah. I promise you. Yep. It's, you'll hear it from me. Nice. So what yeah. about that Chiefs Patriots game, Phil? Hold on. Yeah. Phil, did you see? I think see... it's going to be exciting. You know, Phil, they both Phil, have Phil, quarterback Phil, Phil, ratings Phil, that are really Phil, good. Phil, Phil, and Tom Phil, Brady is Phil, terrific. Phil, Phil, and it's Phil, Phil, all because Phil. of him. That's Damn. why they win every game. And um, that's it. And then, uh, you know, Mahomes, I've never seen anything like it. So that's some really cutting-edge stuff, don't you think? Yeah. Phil, did you yeah. see your son get hit by the referee on Sunday? Well, Adam, of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I saw it first from you. <laughs> nice. What, what was you, what were you thinking? What what I think? I, I well, first I just went, "Damn, you, why are you so close to the field when the action's coming your way?" But I was just glad he didn't fall down. Right. And oh, I'm glad man. he didn't get hurt. And all that stuff. If he'd have fell down and like hit in the mud and just did, then it it would have oh. really Huh. It'd have been on every TV show. Yes, but since he somewhat has somewhat athletic ability on he, and of course he puts all the faith in his LeBron shoes kept him up. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, you know tennis shoes in the mud. When I think about going out in the mud, not losing tracks, I go, "Where are my tennis shoes?" <laughs> yeah, that's what I think of. So yeah, that's a good. What are you trying to give LeBron more money? Hey, no, you're right. He's good in that department. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's sell some more LeBrons. Yeah, they they kept me from falling, and you know, but it was pretty funny, Adam. That was great. That was great oh, to you. I that loved it so much. We were talking before the show yesterday about Cleveland and Belichick, and Chris started telling a story about you were going to be a Brown, and that Chris has a Brown Sims jersey. What? What is going on? Well, you never. We. You didn't I've never that. heard this story. Yeah, I flew down on a private plane, Art Waldell's private plane, to sign a contract with the Browns to play in 1995. Wow. And uh, got there, you know, boom, boom, everything's great. You know, okay, let's sign the contract. They wanted me to sign a different contract that was for minimum pay. And I said, whoa, well, that's not what we agreed upon and this and that. And, hey, one thing led to another. Belichick looked at me and goes, man, I'm so sorry, Phil, which he was. I know he was. It wasn't up to him. And they were. I think they wanted to sign me and watch me during training camp and decide if they wanted to pay me. And I don't know. I don't really don't know. Or I never they were, to them I, about it. They were running out of money. I mean, there was, there was a yeah, reason. That was they, probably it. They yeah. didn't have the money to pay me. Right. But Belichick, years later, many times has said, oh, God, I'm so glad you didn't come because that was, of course, the year they moved. Right. And it, it turned into a disaster. But I was there, and I said, okay. I don't know who I said it to. Could have been Mike Lombardi because he was – I think the general manager. And I said, well, I came down here, you pulled my pants down, and I guess I'm going to go home. (laughs) Wow. So there was a time where it would have been Bill Belichick and Phil Simms as the coach quarterback in Cleveland. Very close. And I'm pretty sure. Was that 94 or 95, Dad? That was 95? That would have been the 95 season. I set out the 94 season. So 94, I, which was, I still will be one of my great memories of life because I couldn't play eighth grade football because I would have had to lose 12 pounds to play offensive line. Okay? (laughs) And so I didn't play football. And Dad was still. Tom Coughlin was in Jacksonville. So, right, Dad? You almost went. Jacksonville got interested in Dad. Uh, Buddy Ryan and the Arizona Cardinals were interested in Dad. 
and I would go over to the football field in town, and I was dad's receiver, and he would throw footballs to me, and we would have workouts. Because he know, had to stay in shape. He had to stay in shape, and, uh, yeah, that was uh, some good bonding moments. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I remember my son goes, well, maybe I can lose the weight and play tight end. I said, not a chance. Yeah. You're not doing it. My son's not playing tight end, and you're not going to lose weight here or whatever in the eighth As a grade. growing <laughs> boy, right. Yeah, I said, this is crazy. You know, so, well, yeah, that's a good thing. I know, it's kind of hard to believe. You too big. Even though you were tall and all that stuff, that you you were overweight to play quarterback. That's what's really funny. But, yeah. oh, well. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure... In this day and age, they bumped those weights up quite a bit. I think they have. They definitely oh, sure, have. I know. Sure. I think I was like 162. And Are you really? I think so. And I had to be like 148, uh, something like that. Chris Sims, the Jared Lorenzen of New Jersey <laughs> well, high school football. Hey, you know how much I weighed my senior year in high school? I can remember like it's yesterday. What? Take 180? It, right now I'm about, I'm going to say I'm either, I'm about 248 pounds probably to be exact. Wow. Right. So what do you think I weighed in high school as a senior my football season? I mean, I've seen pictures. I'm going to say 205. I'm going to say 180, 178, somewhere in there. You're close, 175. Yeah. You know what I weighed my senior year of high school? What? Uh-oh. Let's hear a guess. Right now I'm around 238. Right. Right now you're 238? Damn, yeah. that kid, this Ooh, number keeps man, getting higher. I know. I'm Every honest, few weeks it gets higher. <laughs> what do you think I weighed my senior year of high school? Your senior year of high school, I'm going to say 202. I was 200. Right. So here's the story. We all had to get weighed and our height for the basketball programs because we right. played in all these tournaments. And so we all line up and everyone gets on the scale and everyone's like, 184, hey. Mm. And my friend goes up, Dan, and he's two years older than me. He's 185. And we're guessing before each one. Right. So I go up and everyone's like, 180, 164, whatever. 200. They reset the scale because it doesn't make sense. They didn't believe it, right? They redo it. I get up there 200. The next game, I go in, and they're all going, deuce, <laughs> deuce. And I'm hitting – I hit two threes. Right. And my thing for, like, the season was holding up two uh, because no great. one understood how I weighed 200 pounds. Right. Oh, I'm telling you, gosh, take, me to, take me to the state fair, yeah. and I'll win you a doll. Because I have dense bones. You do have dense. I mean, we've always said that. Yeah. You, you got those Tony Romo thighs and butt. Uh, that's what he. Very deceptive. Yeah, very deceptive. <laughs> uh, that is awesome. Two hundred. Hey, your guys' of course, knowledge it was a long of time ago, and I played at a public school, and we had the Southern you know, High School the, in Kentucky. The, yeah, in Kentucky, and and we went five and five during the season, but we won the five games that counted. And then we played a team that we lost to. We got destroyed by in the playoffs the first round. And we beat them like 20 to nothing. Mm. So that was big, you know. And then we beat another team that was probably the best team in the state. We beat them 14-13 in a playoff game. And then then you had to play – everybody plays together in Kentucky, so you had to play the private schools. So we had to play a, a team called Trinity High School. Oh, oh I yeah. covered them a lot. Day, Winning, you know, they're always in the national top teams or whatever. And we played them, and we lost, I forgot the score, 12 to nothing or something like that. But we were down inside their 10, didn't score a couple, big deal, whatever. But we did not have one single person on the team that weighed 200 pounds, not one. Wow. Nobody was at 200 pounds. That's unbelievable. Who? That's the te- you know really it probably wasn't that unusual back right. then. Right. No, I think I think you're right. Well, I was just going to ask you like what do you think like Eighty, your '86 team, right? That goes and wins the Super Bowl. Who's the biggest lineman on that group? Carl Nelson. Who is it? 
Well, no, Carl was tall, but he was, you know, he looked like a forward in basketball. Yeah, right. You know, so, he was trim, but I, I wouldn't even begin to guess. I'm going to say he was probably 270 pounds. Right. So who do you think the biggest guy was on the starting line at that in that year? Well, let's see. Brad Benson at left tackle. Man, you know, again, maybe 270, 280. I, I think I'm going high. Yeah. Wow. Billy it's just Yard, crazy. Probably 260. I, I, you know, Bart just, Oates. Bart yeah. Oates was... He might have been the, you know, because he really was a great trainer and weightlifter. He might have been as high as 280. So, yeah. you know, yeah, it was, I'm trying to think, who am I missing? Billy oh, Ard. Godfrey. Or, oh, yeah. Chris Godfrey. Yeah, right, uh, right. Parcells called him tunnel vision. You know, in other words, if the guy was directly in front of him, he'd block him. But if the guy <laughs> moved one inch to his right, he'd go, do I block him still if he moves an inch to the right? And they, so they called him. And he went to Notre Dame. You know, he's smart as hell. Right. But he's like, hey, tunnel. <laughs> Phil, That's amazing. Phil, do you okay. think, Phil, Coach, Phil, he's one, he's a centimeter off of where you told me he was going to be. Do I still block him or should I try to make a call and let somebody else block him? Phil, do you uh, think that you could make Belichick laugh? Like, if he was there with you, do you feel confident that you could tell a joke that could get him to laugh? Oh, yeah. He laughs at everything. Yeah. yeah. Really? If you tell him a good joke, he'll laugh. And I know I could get him to laugh because I would bring up some incidents that happened when he was with us, you know, mm. that I just know he'd go, oh, my God. He'd start, he'd start laughing, yes. That's yeah. awesome. We always had moments, you know, if we started talking about history. In fact, I just was doing something, and I'll read it to you. I'm... The Patriots ran a play with Cordero Patterson last week. Let me see what I wrote about it. It's a single-wing play. Right. And I just go, I go, I wonder if he's the one that, that did it. It's a, no, when I wrote down, it's a wing T play. You, yeah. You know, a counter play inside with Cordero Patterson, and it's out of the wing T. Right. And I thought, I wonder if he thought this up. Because he knows all that Ask him about the wing tee, and one hour later he'll still be talking about coach. Good, I got it. The wing tee, it was great. Yeah, you know. How about yeah. the single wing? Oh, single wing now. You know, <laughs> so because he's read every book ever written about football. His and dad wrote the of book. Everything. So it's it, sometimes it's really fun to talk to him about this stuff. Yeah. All right. So are you leaning Chiefs Patriots? Are you leaning Saints Rams? Where are you leaning on this Wednesday? You know, I'll tell you. If you watch me on Sunday when we come on the air. Oh, you're going to say I'll give that. you some information, but I ain't ball. telling anybody nothing. All right, so wait, I didn't see I didn't see your picks on Showtime yet. Uh, so who did you pick in there? I know I know you're gonna you might readjust, but who'd you pick on the show on Tuesday? I just told him to stick it. I'm not picking. Did up. you really? Oh, good for you. Yeah, no, I didn't. I think uh. I picked somebody. I said, I don't know who I'm going to pick, and I don't. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to pick game on Tuesday, so I, oh, I feel yeah, you. No, I know we were laughing. You know, Steve Smith. I don't know. He is. Man, he's, he, he was, was hilarious. He, he was, was. Oh, he's out of control. What he said about uh, Marcus uh, Peters and and all that whole thing. I <laughs> mean, at, at the end, he just went on about <laughs> wide receiver and Michael Thomas, how they got to defend him, and oh, just oh, these. Wait, wait. So the one, yeah. the, the, the one he did before, he cursed and said all these other things, and I mean, and then he knocked his mic off, and you know, of course, we're <laughs> laughing. And that's why at the end, I said, we should have played that first one. And he tried to say something. I said, because it had been beep, beep, beep. And that would have been good stuff because we wouldn't have to listen to you. And he just, he just goes, oh, God, you got me. That's and, awesome. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, he's, oh, my God, what comes out of his mouth. Oh, my God, it's, it's well, terrible. Well, Phil, I, I'm really hoping that we get to uh, watch the game with you on Sunday at Chris's house. I'm putting pressure on him. Chris doesn't want us there. Congratulations to having another grandchild. Oh, well, God thank bless. You, thank you. That's and amazing. You're going to come over here and watch the game? We were going to, but then, uh, you know, your daughter had a baby, and Chris doesn't think it's appropriate for us to be there. <laughs> I, well, I, I, don't you Listen, if you called my daughter and asked her, she would say, oh, yes, please, everybody come over because... I'll have to give know, her a call. Yeah, go daughter, ahead. There's nothing like a party. She, she'll make it up. Uh, what? We know. She'll, she'll throw an all-time party if you What's tell the her name? What's it. the name of the girl? I, she, she, it's Elizabeth. I it's Elizabeth Rose. Yeah, That's it's Elizabeth be- Rose. That's beautiful. So right. I walk yeah. in to her room, and it's just... I said, I looked at my wife and go, you know, Eve, only my daughter can have a baby and make a damn party out of it. <laughs> I mean, you know, people are coming in and this and this. I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, in the, ho- in the hospital? Oh, yeah. It in looked the like hospital. there was a steady oh, yeah, flow yeah. of people. It's, she's sitting up, hey, you know, talking. Oh, I'm okay. And, you know, she looks, I mean, it's. I, I, There's I a sign-in book for people to check in. Oh, God. Oh, but congratulations. It was, it was great, though. It was great. So Happy for you, right. pal. Anything else? No, yeah. that's it. We'll save your. We'll watch your picks on CBS. Yeah, yeah, you do that, and you know, Christopher, if you think of anything that's clever, you right. know what I mean, a little bit clever, you know, I'd, I'd appreciate it. But you know, that's okay. I know. I, know I, I will tell you one thing. Yeah, uh, this won't be. I could, there's just looking at some stuff or whatever. You know, I'm big Adam in this, the history of a play, who started it, the origin of the concept, all that stuff. Right. You know, Bill Walsh, the. You know, fake sweep left and roll right and throw it to the fullback coming underneath right. uh, in the flat. You know, now it's the one Jared Goff scrambled for on the fourth down to get the oh, first down at the pretty? end. That's yeah, a, yeah. Right? I mean, everybody yeah. does it nine thousand different ways. And the Kansas City Chiefs did one last year in the opening game. I think up in Alex Smith threw it twice. He missed it the first time. Was it Kareem Hunt who caught a long touchdown pass up the seam? Yeah, yes. and turned it in. Yeah. Well, they ran some of those plays again this past week. And the week when they ran it against New England, New England came back the following week and ran, and it. ran it against New Orleans yes. and scored a touchdown. Yeah, I know. So, so it was kind of – that was the first time I saw the play. And I told a friend of mine that. And right now he says, I know 18 teams that have run the exact play during yeah. the year. Yeah. So it just kind of – that's how it happens. Everybody's going to copy it. And it's the first time I've seen a play where I went, ooh, that's really clever. And, you know, in the NFL, we know everybody copies everything fast. If it's good, put it in, man. Yep. And that's what the Patriots do. So that's my – see, see, that's my giving to you, son. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate so you. Just, Very I'll, kind. I'll have okay. some stuff for you there, big guy. Don't worry. I got some stuff. Yeah, I'll hold my breath. All right. All right. See you guys. See, see you, man. See you. Hey, hey, Deuce. Yeah. Deuce. See you later, Pre- Deuce. Appreciate you, Phil. Deuce. Deuce and a half. Hey, He's about on. to be Deuce and a half here Seriously. in a second. That's right. Two and a half. That's right. All right. See you guys. <laughs> See you guys. Uh. Oh, Phil always with the energy. Oh, Philly Phil. My thing for Phil was going to be, Phil, you didn't factor in Bill Belichick with extra time. Like, Well, no, he's more mad that he just didn't think of the point of Atlanta Super Bowl, Seattle oh, Super yeah, yeah, Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, well, you know, Super Bowl preparation is another level of preparation altogether to where 
Yeah. You're never going to dissect a team or a scheme more than that. All right, let's go to Colts uh, Chiefs first. We're going to start off with Colts offense, Chiefs defense, because right. that was the biggest surprise. How the heck did the Chiefs get in there? You had a lot of things in your notes about Andrew Luck, so yep. let's start there. Yes. One of your thing. Andrew Luck puts way too much on his front foot, yep. leads to a lot of floaters. Right. Luck threw it like shit, one of the worst games he's ever had. Yep. Has to fix mechanics. Mechanics, he's fucking walking the ball to people. Right. So, um, you know, being on your back foot, you know, just think of uh, think of Tom Brady this past weekend. Think of a Patrick Mahomes. Think of an Aaron Rodgers. Anybody, really, that can really spin it and throw it. But, yes, I'm going to stand up here just to do it. But You want a, you want a ball? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll take a ball. But, like, the big thing is with him is, like, he – okay, when you throw, and if I'm sitting here, where's my camera? That's my camera? Like, you want to be here, like this, on your back foot. And then you can go through reads. And then you throw and you stay. But he almost goes like this, Lefko, where he's like this way, right? And then he throws it, and he's like... It's almost like a dart push. It's like a dart push, almost. Like, he basically moves up a yard as he's throwing it. So, first of all, it's not good for protection. It's not good for anything. But... Football, this is not a pitching mound. You don't you don't take like a long stride and end up five feet in front of you. You know it's one thing to get Plus through the your ball. Your power comes from your Ex- back. Exactly right. Just like with anything, whether you're hitting a forehand in tennis or the driver at the the golf range. Either way, yes, you want to have that balance and slightly on the back leg because yes, that is where all your power comes from. And this has been the last few weeks. It's this been, has not just been this. No, game. no. I think this was the week it really showed itself more than not because it was windy the and the weather, elements yeah. and all of those things. And of course, he's playing a better football team. But um, yeah, that was a, it was even a little bit of an issue in the wild card game where if we all went back and watched that game again, you'd go, oh, damn, yeah, he did miss a few throws that were like on the ground or whatever, but they were up 21 nothing or 21 7, and it didn't really matter or affect the game at that point. But it showed itself, and he's got to, he definitely has to fix that aspect. He's going to, shorten his career if he continues to throw like that because he will lose considerable RPMs in throwing the football, and it's certainly not going to help in like games like we saw on Saturday with the elements. That's been the theme to his entire season has been arm strength. Yeah. Quick question. Yeah. So they go into the offseason. Whose job is it to grab him and be like, hey, you're walking the ball yeah. forward? Yeah. How the, does that go when the season ends? It'll go something where I'm sure Frank Reich is going to understand that and see it, okay? And then the quarterback coach, of course, is going to be talking about this with Frank Reich, and it will really probably be more the quarterback coach that broaches the subject with them to go like, hey, let's go out in the field for you know 30 minutes every day or, yep. and just work on you know moving in the pocket and staying on that back leg and rotating through the ball instead of you know your upper body almost leaning forward and moving forward as you throw it. It's just not a way that you can you know, I'm trying to think of like good mental images, but like you, like I said, if you yeah, watch, if you watch Brady on Sunday, if you watch Aaron Rodgers ever, it's more about they stay on that back leg and their ability to create the opposites and rotate out of it, uh, and he misses that at times. Uh, in terms of the Chiefs secondary, you said that they weren't afraid of the Indiana's uh, Indianapolis wide receiver speed, bump and run the entire time. Their nickel set is more athletic, and then you wrote number twenty-two exclamation point exclamation point. Yes, number twenty-two. Um, I don't know who that is. Hold on, a I second. didn't. I didn't look it up. I, I was wondering why you were emphasizing this. Um, so much. I'm trying to think of what the heck I was writing right there. But hold on, let me get to. Uh... 
Um, oh, uh, oh, number twenty-two is Orlando Skandrick, and I'm saying he's not in the game anymore. They have they have eliminated oh, they, him. They from don't play Orlando Skandrick. Orlando anymore. Skandrick did not come in in one snap in the football game. So wow, he was a weakness. They've gotten healthy, but yes, guys like number twenty-four, uh, Jordan Lucas at safety, certainly a big deal. The uh, the what is the thirty-five is uh, what is it Charvavia chart. Charvarius Ward does a really good job, has good length, good man-to-man skills. Yeah. So I think they have found their best five or six in the back end. You like for going Eric forward. Murray, the safety, too? I do. Eric Murray was really a corner in college, more or not, but they have moved him to safety. And, yes, at least it puts speed on the field and sure. a guy who can be reliable in passing situations. The fact that they figured out their secondary a little bit yes. and they're also getting Laurent DuVernay-Tardif back, right. the offensive lineman. MD. Chiefs are getting healthy at the right time, They definitely are, yes. Uh, Other things just from that side of the ball, getting to the big matchup, the defensive line. You wrote, the Chiefs' front four is whooping the Colts. You said it's the worst game of the year for Braden Smith. Right. And you also said Chris Jones is great at swatting balls, great eyes. Great eyes. Overall, though... What did the Chiefs' front four do to that Indiana- Indianapolis front Well, uh, I-, I think line. the big thing, it was no like schematical, like, whoa, this was amazing. I think what we saw really in all four games, bye weeks matter, okay? Bye weeks matter. And I think, you know, six, seven years ago when we were seeing wild card teams kind of have more success in the divisional round and get to the championship games, we're not seeing that very much at all anymore. Because I do think that the number one, the number two seeds have figured out right formulas as far as, you know, how to practice during that week off and people talk to each other and improve things. And um, the rest and the home field advantage is a factor. There's just no denying that. But I think their freshness, like it was another instance of I turned on the game and I just said, damn. You know, and you were watching on TV. It just looked like Kansas City was moving at a different speed. You know, I think the weeks of the Colts having to play all these tough physical games were were certainly, I think, wore them out. And then, you know... You know the the fact that he, the the Kansas City had to hear about it all the time and how their defense has not played good and how great the o, Colts O line was. Um, you so, know all someone, of that. Someone's going up and back with me in my right. own personal DMs right. about are the Chiefs better suited to attack the Colts O line than the Texans because one plays three four and the other plays four three. Uh, is the oh not not necessarily my response back to him right. was the Chiefs are a better pass rushing offensive line JJ Clowney yeah, that's yeah, what I meant yeah. JJ Clowney this time yeah you're not going to run on those guys right but Chris Jones is a better pass rushing defensive tackle Justin Houston and D Ford have more speed around the edge exactly right uh, so I was right I in think that you're analysis. definitely right yeah I mean JJ Watt's different not about, types of players they're different ty- like JJ Watt you're right is not a type of guy that it's winning around the edge all the time not his anymore. ability is to split a gap or swing move a guy real quick that he's headed up with the tackle or the guard and he just makes the guy miss and then yeah. he beats him with like quickness. But yes, to your point, D Ford is amazing at turning the edge and flying. Justin Houston could do that. And then Chris Jones can just absolutely not only for a, a defensive tackle, he can get on the edge and beat a guard like truly around the edge. But his power is like a Fletcher Cox to where he can push guys like Quentin Nelson back. And the impressive thing when I read his eyes is he does this while keeping vision on the quarterback all the time. I think of the Blake Bortles play. 
where he kind of oh, like got, swatted yes, exactly and, right. and then the, got the interception exactly too. Exactly right. He, he keeps his eyes up. So then there he is. Oh, I'm pushing Quentin Nelson back. Oh, I'm not going to get there. I can see the quarterback winding up the throw. I'm going to try to time it out and put my big hand up and see if I can knock it out. And he knocked down two or three balls through the game. The really big defensive tackle that can also rush the passer is so valuable. Yes. I just think of Fletcher and what we saw him do to the Saints, Chris right. Jones in this game. Right. And then I look at the draft and I think of that Quinn and Williams kid out of Alabama. Yes, right. And I'm like, he's the same body type as uh-huh. those. I know. The 6'5", 3'10", that can also outrun a guard. Right. Because we're in a time in the NFL where what Chris Collinsworth every game talks about Oh, he doesn't do well when he has to hold the ball for over two and a half seconds, yeah. but he's really good under. Right. So you need a guy that's interior defensive lineman that can also swap balls. Yeah, swap that's balls. That's the key position now. Yeah. I almost think that's more important than the speed rushing outside guy. I, I I don't know if I disagree with you there. I would probably say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. again, like you're saying, with all the tricks of the trade in football right now, too, to have that guy to go, oh, okay, well, if they do run up the middle, he's there. Yes. But... Um, you know, then we can execute with other guys to stop the speed sweeps, the outside run, and then, oh, they want to throw the ball quick. Well, he can push the pocket to where yes. the quarterback might not be able to see, might not be able to step into the ball, and maybe even bat a football down every now and then. Chiefs offense, Colts defense. Uh, you wrote this down, and I forgot, too. Patrick Mahomes' snap count usage was really impressive. Phenomenal. I mean, he had the Colts offsides almost every major third down. Exactly right. He never let them tee off. Could you hear him? I like could. live? Yeah, yeah, I could. So, snap count. And yeah. the, the, the use of your voice. Yeah, inflection. What is Patrick Mahomes' inflection like? Uh, it's pretty good. Because his voice it's, is so unique. Yeah, I mean, it, you know. You know, that's kind of how he does it right what there. What was yours? Uh, yeah, mine would have been, you know, Blue 80. Blue 80 said, hot, hot, hot. Oh, I cracked. <laughs> I cracked. <laughs> Damn, it's been a while. That's amazing. Yes, but it is a very Great job, Greg Brady. inflection is certainly part of that. Because luck is good at it. Yes. Brady's great at it. You, All the good. Breeze is great at it. Yes. But Mahomes, you think, has good inflection. I do. I think Mahomes has great inflection. He had great timing of when to do it. I want. I mean, that had to be something that they were beating into his brain throughout the week. You know, let's not let them get the jump on the snap count. Let's try to give our O-line every advantage possible. They probably noticed on something on film that they were good at jumping snap yeah. counts, and Andy was probably trying to stay on top of that. Damn, my voice cracked hard That there. was amazing. Yeah, going to be on Instagram a, tonight. A lot of what you wrote, too, was if you play zone against the Chiefs and your front four doesn't get there, you're fucked. Yes. If no one is open, he will move, he will stretch the zone, and the Colts didn't have a, a difference maker in their front four. Right. Uh, and it, it just you loved the play calling of the Chiefs, mm-hmm. the way that they go power, and then they're going to go next play with the reverse. Right. But it, it sounds like the Colts were on skates. You wrote that the young linebackers had their weakest game. Yep. But it, it really sounds like if you don't get to Mahomes with your front four, yeah. and you're playing zone, right. it's over. Yes. You're in deep trouble because, you know, he can squeeze the ball with just his pure arm strength through any zone window. And then what he does and what we saw in a few of those early third downs, right, left go is where he gets out of the pocket, he scrambles to the right, he starts to attack the line of scrimmage, and now the zone linebacker's like, well, damn, I got a receiver here, but he's, it's only third and five, and he's going to run and get the first, so I guess I got to go try to get him. And then Mahomes is great at reading that, and then he you know throws the ball across the field into the zone, and Kelsey gets it, and it's a first down. Yeah. So he is phenomenal at doing that. Yes, and then added to that, the Colts just can't play man-to-man 
and some of the third and four and five situations. Yeah, you wrote they have to get some man-to-man corners because there's no one they can trust. No, there's no one they can trust. And really, that's why you need man-to-man. It's the third and five or less plays because... Jam, timing. Right, exactly right. The, co- the play caller usually is going to call something to get six yards. If yes. it's, you know what I mean? He's going to call something to get out of your hands, and you want to de- mess that up or you know jam receivers who are trying to run a pick play, whatever it may be. And the Colts are certainly going to have to find one or two of those guys. Mahomes is like Steph Curry in that like NBA defenses you can't you can't really you he stretches you out so much yes. that it compromises the rest of your defense and as soon as Mahomes kind of comes near the line and you shift a little bit he can hit anywhere. I I I mean Steph Curry is the perfect analogy. Um it really is because I I've actually said this to like He some, makes crazy things look normal. He makes crazy things look normal and he is like this cute little kid that all little kids are like, oh, he looks nice. I like him. Yeah. I mean, Philip, almost seven days of the week, when I come home today, I'm pretty sure Philip's going to be running around in a Patrick Mahomes jersey. Like, it's almost every day. And your son has all of them. He's AB, got all Russell of them, Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. This Patrick Mahomes has taken over. And it's going to the fact now of it's not just like, let me put on his jersey. I gotta, I gotta make a video of him doing his mannerisms. He's got Patrick Mahomes down after what he, after he throws the ball and how he Did stands. Did you see how Josh just looked up at you? Oh, I know. So today, I will when try. You go home, yes. Capture the mannerisms. Right. We're gonna put it on. We're just gonna mortgage Philip. <laughs> We've had a few catches in the in the family room, and he's throwing the ball. And I'm like, listen, I know you're trying to be Patrick oh, Mahomes. Oh, he's doing like sidearm. But he's and doing. Stuff? I just, I was going. Patrick Mahomes got really good at throwing it normal first before he started like doing like you know Johnny trick shot. Okay, so let's just work on that first. And he don't want to hear it, but he's got you know after releases it, he keeps his arm like this, and the way he leans, he's got it down. And I'm like, damn. But that's what YouTube does because Philip wakes up in the morning before he goes to school and he turns it on and he watches that kind of crap. Man. But that's I think where we just need to schedule a social shoot with Philip and we'll just go up there one day. Yeah, him and all Phillip. the jerseys. Yeah. Just I'll do shoot it everything. Yeah. Right. And then we'll just roll it out, you know, every couple weeks over every, the offseason. Every couple weeks. You did have a note about all of the playoffs in these notes yeah. saying that all of the fast defenses got their ass kicked this weekend. Yes, they in did. In the Dallas Chargers. All yes. the defenses built on speed, and then the Eagles defense is really built on power up front. Right. Uh, definitely something that just jumped out to me. Indy, Dallas, Chargers basically run the same scheme, too, which is the Seattle scheme. And again, they're really good. Don't get me wrong, but the problem I continue to see... Go ahead, if you want to say it. I was just going to say that someone wrote online... It's ridiculous that everyone's trying to copy the Seattle scheme right. when Seattle could have run any scheme with Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, and it worked. But they're all taking this one scheme when they could have played man-to-man all those years and they would have been fine. You're right. I mean, they could have got in the Buddy Ryan bear front and they still would have been like, man, this defense is really awesome. Like, you're exactly right. That is a valid point by whoever it is that, that made that. But yes, I think the one thing I see with this scheme, of course, is lack of size. I mean, Danico Autry is your D-tackle. Great year, and I'm a fan of his. But 273-pound D-tackle in the muddy, snowy field of Kansas City just ain't going to get it done in playoff football. I mean, you're just going to have to get lucky with the right matchups then. That's what you're you're going, oh, I hope we get the right matchups. But that is an issue, let alone with those schemes. Once again, I think what we saw in all three cases was – Whenever there's a schemer as the offensive play caller and a quarterback who can execute it, 
the scheme does it, it gets exposed constantly, and I think that's they feast on the weak that scheme. Mm-hmm. So their numbers look good because oh man, we shut down Arizona. They had 145 yards. Yeah, Arizona sucks. That's great. Their offense was horrible. But you know when you if you want to hold yourself to a playoff Super yeah. Bowl standard, you got to think about Brady, McVay, Drew Brees, Sean Payton, all of those type of guys. And I think you saw that get exposed this weekend. We know Belichick's going to be thinking about Mahomes. This is the last note from this game. You said you noticed that Mahomes escapes to his right a lot. Right. And the Patriots are going to take this away. They, yeah. What's funny is his most famous rollout of the season was left with the left handed throw. Yes. But that was on purpose, it seemed like, with Denver. I felt like he had to roll out to the left a lot in that game. I think they took away from him. Remember, he rolled out to the left, and that's when he had the crossbody throw to Kelsey right up the seam, yes, too? Yes, right. But you think that Belichick is going to purposely make sure he doesn't roll out right. I do. And and he did it in the first matchup. And I'm going to go back and watch the, the first matchup on film tonight. Um, and yeah, I know he did it in the first matchup. He did, like... He had he always had Dante Hightower in the middle, and as soon as as soon as Mahomes escaped to the right, Dante would loop to the to the to, to it as it well off. to cut it off. And he threw the interception in the end zone with Dante Hightower kind of climbing on his back, if you remember. Yeah. Really, he had the great throw where he escaped to the right and the long touchdown pass down the sidelines to Kareem Hunt. Oh. But there was a few other plays in that game where he wanted to escape right, and he went, oh, man, I can't go there. Where do I go? And then he got stuck in the pocket and had to throw it away. Mm. And Bell, Bill is definitely going to try to do his best to take that away. It's uh, the, the I, I, again, recommend the Kevin Clark article in The Ringer because it just really talked about the thing that the best thing in sports is when there seems to be an unstoppable offense and then they play Belichick. Yeah. And you see how he approaches it and how he mm-hmm. takes it away. And But I would also say that I don't know if they faced a guy like Patrick Mahomes. And I don't know if they faced a guy like Patrick Mahomes in another person's stadium. Right. It's with the weapons he has. With the weapons he has and and the offensive coordinator. Yeah. So to, you were saying that Andy Reid doesn't have a lot of success against Bill Belichick. Yeah. And that's true. Yeah. But in the seven games in which Bill Belichick has allowed 40 points. Yeah, he's got, what, two of them or Andy three Reed of them? Andy has three of them. That's pretty awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. So they face each other a lot over the years. Yes. And Andy, to what you wrote a lot in there about how he's not afraid of third and short and yeah. running the ball, right. Andy ain't afraid of anybody. No. No, Andy. if Andy can just stay running the football once again. Yeah, that's your big note. They only ran it 13 times last time. You need it consistent. I need it just 20. And I don't even give a damn about the yards. The, it is the respect factor. You have to make Belichick think, okay, they still might run it, and Damian Williams is yeah. scary. And, and the biggest thing is when they get under center, and they've been doing that more lately, you know, you're going to – the biggest throw of the day to Kelsey down the middle – was a play-action pass with him running a deep crosser. Like That's the way they're going to find those yeah. type of plays because Bill's going to be all over some of the drop-back shot plays. I'm going to go to Chargers-Patriots next just to keep this like a little seamless, yeah. and then we'll do the NFC after that. Okay. So Chargers offense, Patriots defense. Mm-hmm. What did the Patriots do to slow down Chargers? One thing that Sims writes in his note a lot is how what is the coverage on the first third down? Yeah. You believe that's indicative of what the game plan has been all week. Right. And what they did was they put... Put Stefan Gilmore on Keenan Allen, yep. JC Jackson on Trevor Williams, and you pretty much wrote 
Gilmore is the only one matching early, and Keenan Allen has no chance. No chance. He is just... It's an awful matchup for Keenan Allen. It's an awful matchup. Because he's not faster than Stephon Gilmore. Exactly right. And Stephon Gilmore is not going to get pushed around by Keenan Allen. Exactly right. And and, and Gilmore, for this big guy, is also very quick. I mean, Gilmore's one of the best corners in football, let alone he's got coaching now to go, you know, when they're in this formation and this split, it's really these three routes or... Remember when Buffalo media was saying that Gilmore stunk and good riddance. Remember that? Yeah. Like, no, Belichick has played this guy twice a year for four years. Right. He's been waiting for you guys to get rid of him right. for this entire time. Right. And that's why he was so confident getting rid of Malcolm Butler. Yes. But remember, the, the, and then we were applauding this Buffalo reporter for outing Stefan Gilmore's bad plays. Yeah, Gilmore. You, if Belichick picks up your player, you messed up. Yeah. You messed up. Pretty much. You didn't realize what you had or you weren't using them correctly. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it, Lefko. I, I can't disagree with you there. And, uh, yeah, it was just – that's tough. That was a tough matchup for Keenan Allen because he just has nothing to back a guy like St- Stephon Gilmore back up. Stephon Gilmore never feared his speed. He got him on the double move. I understand that. Yes. He was playing off. It was really three-match coverage. It was zone coverage where, yes, if he's in his area, he's got to play him like a man. They know that the Chargers like to throw these skinny posts, and he faked like he was going to run the quick post, and he went deep, and Gilmore bit on it. But after that, negative Ghost Rider. It was tough sledding. You wrote the Patriots were all over the shallow crossers. It was linebackers at the line of str- scrimmage, yep. stressing protection. And you and whenever the Patriots are in a big game, I feel like this is the defense they play. Yeah. It's the amoeba defense of seven guys. You don't right. know who's coming. You don't know who's not. And the reason they can do it is because, as you wrote, Everybody has the same skill set. They all have the same body type. All of the Patriots defensive linemen look the same. Right. The numbers are different. Yes. All their linebackers look the same. Their numbers are different. Right. It's like Belichick puts into a computer, okay, who are the guys that fit this criteria? Let me trade a fifth-round pick for Kyle Van Noy and a sixth-round pick for this guy. And then when push comes to shove in the playoffs, they can all do the same thing, and they're all interchangeable. Yeah. His defense is what Sean McVay's offense is. It looks the same. Right. But we're showing we're giving you something different every play. Exactly right. And, and and it's it's just hard to as an offense, when they get in those situations, it's hard to really peg for wait, this guy blitzes or this guy drops or you know, most times you get a feel through your week of breakdown and going, Oh, and they get in this defense like 92 rushes 90% of the time. He might be walking around, but when it all comes down to it, he's the one coming, and 55 might be dropping back. But with with the Patriots, you know, I, I just throw it through it's the name. It's a new game plan every week. It is, and it's a Landon Roberts, okay. And then it's Kyle Van Noyen, and it's Dante Hightower, and it's John, si- John Simon, and it's, you know, Albert McClellan. And they can put all these different guys on the field to where you go – Okay, wait, you know, who does what? They all can play middle linebacker. They all can play outside linebacker. They all have a a pass rush skill set to where, yeah, I'm not saying they're Von Miller, but they have the techniques and power and aren't physically overwhelmed there to where you just don't know who's coming or going or, or where anybody is. Uh, the other two things. One, you say people don't talk about Hightower coming off the edge yeah, enough. Yeah, he's he's just um he's speci- how is he? Is he back? Is he well, healthy? He's not. I don't think ever going to be back as far as like the guy we saw at Super Bowl Forty Nine Seattle Seahawks game, where arguably the best linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, right. I mean, he was a beast then. You know, he's got some like knee and shoulder issues. So there's times where I don't you know, go Super Bowl Fifty One. That sack was pretty. Damn that was big. pretty awesome. And he's still going to be have his moments because he's one of the biggest linebackers in the history 
history of football. But yes, you know, he did this at Alabama, and this is why he drafted him, Belichick, I'm saying, isn't he? Because he can play middle linebacker, but he's got this unbelievable power off the edge to where, like, yeah, there was a few times where he got te- uh, Sam Tevy, 69. I mean, I'm sure Sam Tevy's going, oh, this is a linebacker, uh, you know, and he's exactly right. And he just collapses the pocket because they, they don't they underestimate the power. And you said that if the pa- Patriots play that defense, you have to not be afraid to throw deep comebacks, outs, comebacks, and Rivers at this point can't do it. Yes. So that's – but the thing is, is, like I thought about this while reading your notes. Yeah. That's if you're expecting the Patriots <coughs> to play that defense again. Well, that's what's so incredible about the Patriots is they might not play that defense next no, week. No, they they might not. They that, might come out and play <coughs> cover two and and go. Nope, we're yeah, just going to do this. They could. The thing though that I think you can count on though is when they get you in obvious passing situations, they're going to do it. And they're going to do the amoeba. They're going to do the amoeba. They're going to have a lot of different guys at the line of scrimmage. You're not sure who is what. It's going to be. It could be you know three linebackers and three defensive linemen. Might but bring all six on a blitz. Could do that, right? Yeah. But my big thing was when in doubt, just you could max protect because a lot of these times it's a single safety look, right? And if you have a guy with speed outside that can back a Gilmore off or a mm. J.C. Jackson, Kansas City has two of them. They do, and you have a quarterback who can throw it yeah. outside. You just got to be willing to call it and trust your guys that you know we can throw fifteen yard comebacks all game long and do that. That's why this game is going to be. That's so why amazing. it's fascinating, right? It's fascinating because much like Saban. Belichick's only weakness, and it's the weakness for every defensive coach, mm-hmm. is a quarterback that can go off script. Right. That can run around and throw the ball a mile. Cam Newton, I don't Sean know if- Watson, Aaron Rodgers. Those are guys he struggled with. Yeah. You know, he has a losing record to Cam Newton. He's one and one against Aaron Rodgers. You know, Russell Wilson's two and one against him. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. We saw the magic he produced in 2017 because of your point is exactly right. Like, oh, I can break down the scheme, but I can't break the player down like at no. times. There's going to be times where there's nothing I can do. The guy is that physically gifted, and that is the guy that scares Belichick in that defense the most. I love it. All right, other side of that was the Patriots offense, Chargers D. This Woo! one was depressing to read. Uh, Stupid-ass zone from the get-go, uh, four to a side, killing the Chargers. Right. Uh, the endless array of play-action passes is unreal. You just, there's just so many different things off the same formation. Right. And you said, Brady is best throwing game of the year. The ball is humming. It didn't seem like they were challenged at all. Never. At, at no point. You wrote that they eliminated Bosa Ingram with run, play action, wide receiver screen, shovel pass. Right. Like They never got a chance to really be in a situation where it's third and seven and Brady might have to hold the ball and I can finally come around the edge. There was never that point. It just didn't matter. You know, it was run the ball. Okay. And then it was, you know, fake the run and we throw a screen. Or then it was, like I'm saying, for, for what I wrote, I think to start it, like right four four on threeing them, right? They're playing these zone coverages. Well, they would line up Brady in the shotgun, a back on both sides of him, right? Two backs. They got both tailbacks in, James White and Michelle in, right? And now they got tight end to the right, receiver to the right. And they would have one of the running backs go out and run a route to the one to the tight end side. Of course, Gronkowski's running a route. The receiver's running that route. And from the backside running back, they would fake the run, but then he would also go continue and out to that side. The so now it's, it's a four-on-three fast break every time. Just think about basketball that way. A lot of people were talking about the predictability of the Patriots offense, that when Sony Michelle was out there, it was a run, and when James White was out there, it was a pass. And it was something like 97% of the time James White was out there, he was... It was Maybe he, drop back, but we're, they're not 
taking into account all the play action passes that when Michelle was in there, and then all of a sudden, oh damn, it's Edelman behind me for ten, and then, oh damn, it's Hogan for fifteen. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's what they really. I mean, they were. It's amazing. I, I just can't overemphasize. As a guy who watches football all the time, and I love. Uh, looking at offenses and quarterbacks and the nuances they do, I just really can't explain to everybody out there how amazing it is what they do in the play-action pass game and how hard it is to coach the protections and all the different run looks they give off their play-action. It is extremely hard to figure out all those rules and all the things you need to do. We're going to pull a guard and pass protection and still block, you know, the four good pass rushers and all of that. Like to what you're saying, the announcers always love when a quarterback sells a play action. Right. But the Patriots don't just have a quarterback selling the play action. They have a guard and a tackle selling the play action to a level that no other team would do. Right. That's what you've That's kind what of I'm said, saying, because right? a lot of other teams might run play action and they're doing it with the quarterback and running but back. But all the linemen are standing kind up of doing that, right, or they've done a slide step. But and meanwhile, when the Patriots do a play action, they dent the entire defensive line like they're pulling to the left. Meanwhile, like there's three routes going out. And it messes with your keys. As a second-level player, linebacker-wise, linebacker-wise, Derwin James, he's being told all week, hey, when this, when this guard pulls, they like to run this play, so get ready to come up there and fill the hole. So then he he sees it, and he's like, oh, I'm ready to fill the hole. Oh, crap, there goes Edelman behind me for 25 years. do you yards. think that's why the – well, the Eagles didn't really have success because they let up 33 points, but teams that can just only rush their front four and have success, their linebackers can almost sit back and passing defense the whole time. Yeah, anyway. the, the problem with the Eagles, what they did in that game, is they just started playing man-to-man yeah. on every play, and that was what the disaster Two other notes from this that were interesting. Yeah. One, you said Brady showed compassion to Meebane after the touchdown. Yes. Very cool. Right, very cool. I believe it was the first touchdown. Down, they score. He's kind of walking up to the end zone to uh, celebrate, and me being crosses his face, and you could he kind of grabs him and says something to him. But um, I thought that was a classy thing for Tom to do. It was classy of Bob Kraft before the game exactly, to honor the family. Exactly right. That was really was that was a cool thing because uh, you can't imagine the struggle a guy like Brandon Meebane's had to go through in his own mind the last week or Losing so. Going back to an old school yeah, guy, though, right? There we go. A guy who's like, you know what? I'm going to play. This is what I do and my family would be proud of me and it probably took his mind off of it for the first time you know right uh you did right though brady is flinching like the 85 bears are after him no one is within five feet (laughs) well it was like these are just just little context clues okay it's not like he was flinching all game because he was pretty clean but like on the first drive of the game they ran the kansas city play my dad was just talking about where the back came out and ran up the seam and if he just throws it to him, he's going to throw a touchdown. I could pull it up on the film real quick if you wanted to see it. But, you know, also he's being told all week, don't hold the ball too long because Ingram and Bosa are coming. And he's worried about that's been one issue with their pass protection on the edge all year. But, yeah, he has it. He's wide open. It's going to be a touchdown. But it's like he, everything he's thrown to that point is so quick and it's happened so fast. So now he had to pat the ball for a second. And he was like, oh, oh God, get it out of my hand. And I was like, what, what, what are we rushing for? Wait, wait. But. That's been one little issue with Brady all year long. Yeah, like the Dolphins game, I Exactly remember. right. And I'm just, and even in the Bills game a few times, and I'm just saying those are things I write that down just to remind myself for this week against Kansas City to go, well, these are some, you know, mm. animals, for lack of a better word, too, are going to be coming after But him. you did say that he was throwing the ball incredible. What? Best I mean, he's looked in a while. That's why, like, it just, he doesn't have to quit. I mean, it just, you know, as long as he's willing to get hit, 
His throwing is still it's top notch. I I wonder what Giselle's thinking. I don't like Giselle is either loving the free time because remember she came out the concussion yeah. things after a few Super Bowls. Like sure. if Tom Brady loses to that Atlanta game, I wonder if he retires. Like if he never makes that comeback. Yeah. And the, and Giselle's up there yelling and he's on the ground after throwing the pick six and they never make the comeback. Yeah. Because when you come back from twenty eight to three, man, you can come back from anything. Yeah, you're pretty much right. Like, I mean, I almost want to argue that you can come back from twenty four to ten on the Seahawks the year before. Right. And I wanna go, damn, you lost that, and then you lose the AFC championship game to Denver the next year, you might be like retiring. You might have been wow. like, damn, the hell with this. Okay, we don't have it anymore. But but no one's gonna go to Tom Brady and say, You're done. No. No. Tom Brady has earned the right to go as long as he wants. And I've always believed it's more Josh McDaniels related for Tom than anything. Like if Josh went to Indy this year yeah. and the offense wasn't that great because it's not Josh McDaniels, right. is Tom thinking about it then? Sure. I but think but the whole band's still together. They're still together. And they understand where Tom is at in his career. And, you know, they do a good job of trying to protect him. So they realize he's 41 and that he's not going to stand in there all day like he was when he was 29 and just, like, get lambasted at times and all that. Patriots Chiefs is going to be amazing. It is. All right, Cowboys-Rams, Rams Rams offense, Dallas defense. Uh, Rams defensive line. This was You were so impressed at the newfound discipline of the Rams' defensive line. They're not being their typical reckless self. A.D. and Sue, Aaron Donald and Sue, were two-gapped a lot more. Um, Some some, uh, Sue played really well. Sue played like game of the year. Game of the year. Just, you know, disruptive plays. And, you know, I'm not even like 100% sure they were two-gapping some of those plays. I believe they were. They're not really a team that likes to live in the two-gap world. But, man, there was a whole lot of plays where Aaron Donald's holding up Zach Martin and then disengage, or Sue's doing that the other way. And you know what the other thing it did, Lefko? The fact that they played so much discipline, and you said this on Monday. Uh, I don't know if you said it on the pod, but I know you said it to me when we were just, like, talking. Like, you got to see the kid Little, Littleton, right? Yeah. Because he had gaps. He had he, he didn't have to worry about Where he's like, I don't know where these guys in front of me are going to go. I just have to react and, and play. And it's just so hard at times. Right. So uh, the fact that they were more disciplined allowed him to just tee off and mm-hmm. go get the ball. You said there's certain runs you can't do versus Aaron Donald. Yeah. And Wade Phillips makes it so hard to help on Aaron Donald. Yes, he does. Like if he So gets, what plays can you not run on Aaron Donald? Like early on, you got to be careful if he's the three technique, right, on the outside and shape. Pull in the left guard. Exactly right. Like you got to be careful because he'll, he'll be back there in a second. He'll pull with the guard, and you and then the running back will get the ball, and he'll be like, "Hello, I'm right. here." When they tried to get Tyron Smith to cross Aaron oh. Donald and block on the right side, could you ask him to do anything harder? Full Tropic Thunder. Yeah, I don't even know what other way to put it. That's all there is. Like that's ridiculous. Like that's not realistic to ask. Your... That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that, that was almost as ridiculous as Troy Aikman saying Robert Woods was the best wide receiver in the NFL. Oh, th- did he say that? Yes. Damn. Okay. Well, he, he said arguably, and then yeah. he came back later and said he's my he's my number one wide receiver in the NFL. Wow. I, that's that's strong. Comment. I think Robert Woods is up there for most underrated. Yeah, I would agree with that too. But I don't think he's number. No, one. I would I would argue he was the third best receiver on the field that day. I Perfect. mean, but but either way, um, you also yeah. said there were some passing situations where they asked Ezekiel Elliott to chip Aaron Donald, and you wrote, "You never use a running back to chip a defensive tackle." I'm just saying, like I've never seen it. That's more like what I was saying, like. Where you know you never see a running back just step up and help, or or, or he run through on the route and hit him on the shoulder, right? Or 
just they run through on the route on the inside. Well, usually when a running back goes inside, he's just trying to find a lane to get out so he can be the check down or whatever else. I've seen running backs chip on Von Miller's and speed yeah, pass rushes on the edge. But this was a, like there was probably two or three plays where they were like, no, Connor Williams set inside and Zeke will take it away is- his out shoulder. So he you and know, why did you write? Shoulder. Don't ever use that. Uh, you don't like it? Oh, no, no, I'm saying I just I guess oh, you've I'm never, never seen, seen it. it. That's what I'm saying. That was like new to me. I was like, whoa! Like, that was Cowboys' big wrinkle. I was like, whoa! whoa did it okay. work? Uh, it did. It definitely did. The few times they did it, yeah. Aaron Donald got hit by Zeke, and Connor Williams was in perfect position. But you know, back to the point too of where you know Wade Phillips when he gets you in obvious passing situations, he makes it very hard at times for you to send your center and guard at Aaron Donald. Why? Because he'll send he'll line up in something where like. Three of the linemen are on one side to where now the center has to go with the three linemen side, and now the guard has to be one on one. He's like, that much of a mismatch. He can, yeah, he's he's an issue, man. He is he's unbelievable. It sounds like offensive lines versus Aaron Donald. It's like defensive backs versus Tyreek Hill. Yeah, where like you could put Tyreek Hill on one side and then three on the left, right. and you're like. I really want to double Tyreek, but yeah. I got all their receivers on one side. That's the out. That's what they put you in. They put you in a predicament. That's why it's very important. Like in the Rams, you got to be careful because once you get to third and six or more, you're playing their kind of game. Oof. Yeah. Uh, you also said, and teams are not afraid to play man versus Dallas because their comp their concepts are so easy. Yeah. I was so right on this game. Yeah, you were. I just your notes from that Dallas team. Right. I, I like look back at you picking Dallas, and I go, you were all over Dallas. They're too simple. Like For me, it was like, did you really think Jason Garrett in that one week was going to go, now I'm going to coach? Like That's what I just didn't I, I know. I didn't you're, you're right. Your I was pick. wrong. I guess I just didn't believe the Rams would play discipline run defense. That's mm. where I just came down to. Well, you did right. Give Wade Phillips a lot of credit for changing his DNA. Yeah. He did. He changed. What did he change? Well, he just discipline nature or like his whole approach really the last few weeks of the year was just like, wait, I have talent. I don't need to scheme so much. If we just kind of play it like close to the vest. I mean, he coached that Denver D. I don't know why he didn't just do the well, exactly what he was I, doing. Back I know, then. and I would say he was probably more complicated even then oh, than really? he is now. Yeah, he would do like some different wrinkles. Then now they're like you know, hey, it's it's three match. It's you know Tampa two. It's very simple stuff, but they don't need to get creative because they're they're fast and talented. To wrap up the Dallas, the Rams offense, Dallas D. Man, um, my voice still hurts from trying to do that. Yes, it does. I have this in here, and I guess it was on the wrong side. Yeah. This is actually the Rams offense, so we'll switch now. But okay. the Rams doubled Cooper, and it seemed like in your notes that D- that Dak wasn't seeing the field well. I uh, That's spot on. That Dak did not have his best day. Like I felt like there was a few times where Dak, it took him forever to get off the first read. And the Rams did a good job early on of just doing one or two things to I think where Dallas was like, oh no, they're doing this. And then they really didn't do them again. They went back to what they do. But like uh, one of the first third downs of the game, they had Marcus Peters uh, on the single side against Amari Cooper to the left side. The quarterbacks, you know, and the shotgun. You got three receivers to your right and Amari Cooper's to the left all by himself. Dallas, by a general rule, for the most part, when they see that coverage and their single safety, they would go, we're just going to let Amari Cooper work on that or, guy yeah. over there and Dak will throw it to him. Well, what they did was like they would go, okay, Marcus Peters has got him, but then 
LaMarcus Joyner, who was the free safety that was down, he would buzz out underneath them to take away the hitch route or That's the out route. That's a very Zimmer thing to do. So it was really cool. Like he just They just did a little things like Zimmer that. Zimmer does that with Harrison Smith he a lot. He does. He'll do it a lot, right, because if he feels like you're a, a team that likes to throw the oh, single-cut slant, he's just going to make it like cloudy for you. you oh, you want to sit there and wait all day or whatever it you is. You still got a lot of confidence in Dak going forward? I do. I think Dak... Dak, nonetheless, is the franchise quarterback for them. I think he is. Yes, he is. I mean, I, I think that a lot like how Marty Morningweg has gone in Baltimore, yeah. I feel very similar about Marty Morningweg the way I feel about Scott Linehan, mm-hmm. where we've seen your system now for 15 years. Yeah. It's a good system, yeah. but you're not a good week-to-week coach. Yeah. You're not in, you're not inviting a lot of new wrinkles. Right. And now that we know we got Amari, and I think Gallup is turning into not a bad number two or number right. three. Right. You get another weapon in there that we I, I just need to see some creativity. I think that's I don't right. I don't see the easy completions for Zach, and I don't consider an Amari Cooper slant an easy completion. No, I, I agree. That's just like I mean And then that's when just I hear like, the Jason Garrett quotes where he's like, Our system is fine, it can work. I don't like anyone saying that. No, that's it's just not right. No, they need they need to add more to that offense and come up with more bread and butter plays that are creative. Uh, to your point, and you know, just the last thing on Dak too. Dak, at least the last six seven weeks of the year, he threw the ball really well. He was he off. made good decisions, and I think the big thing with Dak too, and this is like you want this as your franchise quarterback. He's tough as hell. Tough as hell. He. He is not afraid to take blame. I wish um, they'd run him more. He's a leader. He like a leader. he's a leader of men and he is a man. And uh, I, think I think those are things you like. I think he's elite in short yardage rushing situations. Sure. His ability to cross the goal line. What? Him and Zeke both have elite traits at finding holes and gaps and extensions. That collision for the touchdown run he had with Corey Littleton, I mean, that was like I I would have been concussed. He can get well, he's away a monster. With he's a Mack truck. He's 6'4", 240 or know, something like I that. I know. And he's got a great pair of ass and legs on him. Um, so Rams, he does. He Rams does. offense, Dallas defense. The most shocking part of your notes, Rams interior offensive line is having its way with Cowboys defensive tackles. Yes. The much beleaguered offensive line. Do they have healthy guys back now at center or guard? Because Saf- Maybe they were banged up, but no. I mean, Sullivan looked like he had a great game. They did. But, you know, great game and total scheme exposure. You know, there's two things that jump out to me just to connect dots. First thing is Rod Marinelli, the defensive coordinator. You said this Monday. Right. Joe Barry's his son-in-law. Aaron Cromer, the offensive line coach for the Rams. He was in Tampa with me. We were all in Tampa together, all of us. What a year. So they knew. So I'm just saying they knew the nuances there. But the lack of adjustments on the defensive side of the ball. So here's the one basic thing they did a million times in a row. Go ahead. I was going to say when you when you talk about the under front, yeah. explain it. Yeah, okay. So, all right. So what the Rams did over and over to the Cowboys and everybody at home, you watched the game and you saw the fake speed sweep and then the run up the middle. But what they did is they had, let's just say, they started the tight end to the left, and if they had what they call a shade nose to the right, right? So you got your, so just be, everybody be the quarterback at home, okay? Your tight ends to your left, you're coming up under the center, and 
There, to your left is the guard, your left guard and the three technique, the guy on the outside shoulder of the left guard. And then to your right is the shade nose tackle, who's on the right edge of your center, so right? Between the center and the guard on your right exactly side. Exactly right. Well, anytime they saw that, they had must have had two plays called in the huddle, and they would go, oh, okay, they're in that. They would motion the tight end across. To, to the shade nose side. To the shade nose side. And now it becomes an under front, which is under just means like the shade nose is the first defensive tackle who you're accounting for. That's what we call the under front in the NFL. And they ran some plays off of that because they wanted to run it into that front. So let alone with that, and then Dallas way over committing to the fake speed sweeps, they just ran plays that I don't care if you brought back you know, Reggie White, Mike Singletary, uh, Lawrence Taylor, and everybody, that you were not going to be able to stop schematically what they were doing with this play and how they were lined up. Now, everybody out there is going to go, well, what could they have done differently? Well, first of all, they kept bumping the linebackers way over to stop the speed sweep, so they weren't even like in between the guard center, guard box there, right? They were on the more of the edges at times. But the other team, the other thing teams would do in that case would go, you know, they're always motioning to our shade nose, and they're killing us. Well... When I, in my experience against good defenses, they start to realize that and they go, and they oh, flip. we have to shift our line. Now the shade nose has got to bump out. Is that become, when you see the linebacker run up and smack might a guy's smack ass? Might smack him and go, you got to get out. You got to yeah. get out. You come down, and now you guys got to switch and roles. Did that adjustment happen at all? Never. Not one time. So I'm seeing Chris Richard yelling at the linebackers on the sideline, and yet the coaches were It's just not realistic to ask what. Like, Van Der Esch was horrible. Yeah, you wrote down that Jalen Smith and Van Der Esch look confused all over the place. Yeah. Van Der Esch specifically looked clueless and playing soft. They had to take him out. And you wrote, it's not like Sean Lee did any better. No, Sean Lee, I mean... Because he, it sounds like they were in an unwinnable situation. Exactly right. That's all it really came down to. Sean Lee came in, and I think they thought, like, oh, he'll fix it. Yeah, yeah, right. They ran, like, one of the big runs of the day was when Sean Lee was in, right up so the middle. what was it about running at the shade nose that worked so well? Well, because really, I, and I wish I could draw this play up for everybody, but it just... Did it just give them a mismatch? Yeah, it just gave them a mismatch. Because they were afraid of the speed sweep. By having the shade nose, he's almost pinned in the inside And too then like, much. they would double him. One of them would go up to the second level. Onto the middle linebacker right. so because the, they were too far to the other exactly side. Exactly right. So and they, they were would, all pinned. They would cut it off. You know exactly what's funny? Right. That's yeah. my number one Madden play when I would play. Yeah. So I would, And not to put myself in the same thing as Sean McVay, no, but, but I will. <laughs> but I would just put all the wide receivers on the left, yeah. and I, they would shade that way. And I'm like, oh, I'm just running up that right side. Sure. They ran what we would call to the bubble all game long. Which was the hole between the shade nose and the end because right. because really the guard tackles wide open. Right. The guards got nobody on them. So it's easy to get to that second level. Exactly right. So they ran the plays they wanted to run against the defense they wanted to run it against. Almost all the time. So it wasn't even really about hands and all that stuff I don't, when, when that story came out. It really was, where's the shade nose, guy in motion, or if they're already there, right. we're just running just out keep it. it. I exactly. just can't imagine they didn't shift. I, it's it's mind-boggling. Okay, so it wasn't that Leighton Van Der Esch was bad. No. Dallas's coaching staff didn't adjust. No, they got, they got abused. There's no doubt about that. Uh, every play you wrote had misdirection in it. They really took advantage of the aggressiveness. Uh, Cowboys shift the front. You wrote, holy fuck. Uh, second half is the same shit. You were shocked. 
Yeah. Like your notes showed me that you were shocked that there was nothing. Uh, and you wrote McVeigh and Cromer schooled Miranelli and Richard. Yeah. What's incredible is you know all these guys and you spelled Cromer with a C and Miranelli Marinelli. But no, I've only, <laughs> I've never met these people, but I can spell their names. It's Cromer with a K. <laughs> I'm almost positive. I yeah. don't even know. But then you also wrote, you cool. also wrote, Groff, Goff's throwing is concerning. Yeah. Not good quality footballs. Yeah. That's why I'm leaning Saints right now. Sure. Because even in a game in which the game planning was perfect, and the and golf had time. Yeah, no, like, there. Yeah, there was. Um, you know, yeah, I look at the quality of football. There's a hyphen between. It's them. not about just the completion and the yards. It's the way the ball comes out of your hand and all of those things. I'm just and, looking for the pop. Yeah, and it's not there right now. Here's a little, a little insight scary. for our podcast listeners. Four years ago, before the draft. Chris Sims was one of the first people aboard the Carson Wentz train. Mm. Everybody was on Aaron Rodgers, including Matt Miller and Connor Rodgers. I mean, excuse me, Jared, Jared Goff. Goff. Excuse me. That was a huge Freudian slip. <laughs> they were all over Jared Goff. Yeah. And I had realized at that point, when it came to quarterbacks, I'm riding with Sims. Right. I And it's proven to be the same way. Patrick Mahomes, all those guys. You've been, you, when it comes to quarterbacks, I trust you. So I said, I'll bet on Carson Wentz. This is before the Eagles drafted him. Right. And I made a bet with Connor Rogers of the Stick to Football podcast that Carson Wentz will be a better quarterback. And we said after three years, right. we'll weigh in. Right. It's so hard to tell who's better, but like Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. I, I mean, yes, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know anybody that would really argue that other than some Rams fans or but people I, like but that. But you know what? If he came back to me and said. You know, Carson Wentz isn't the best quarterback on his own team. I'm like, damn, you got right there. But, you know, availability, Carson Wentz has been sure. hurt and stuff. Yeah, there's issues there. But I look at Jared Goff and I go, he's not on the same field physically no. as Carson Wentz. No, he is not. Jared Goff is a really fine NFL quarterback, but, you know. And you can win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Exactly right. You damn, damn right you can. Um, but, yes, he's not going to. He's not going to, like, McVay's not like, oh, gosh, I can call these plays with Goff because he can move and throw these lasers all over the field. That's not going to happen. He's going to have to find plays that he goes, oh, I think Goff is comfortable running this play, and this fits what he does. Goff looked amazing in the the Chiefs-Rams game on that Monday night. Right. But now we look back at the season as the whole, and we go, oh, it was against the Chiefs defense. Yeah. We Orlando Skandrick was on the field. Right. We we know what was going right. on there. He's a good quarterback. Yeah. But I'm a little bit worried in the Superdome. Yeah. You don't know. Yes. All right. So now let's go to Eagles Saints, and we're going to wrap it up here. Um, early on, Eagles were. This is Eagles offense, Saints defense. Early on, Eagles pushing Saints around in the run game. Um, yeah. They were they were controlling the line of scrimmage for sure in the first quarter, both sides. You wrote Lattimore is back, his speed is back, and on that interception, Foles had it. Oh. Ten to fifteen yard under throw, just a bad toss. Bad toss. He knew it immediately. Man, too. he did. I mean, um what we would call like why chase takeoff, right? So it was Tampa two, the outside receiver ran a post to kind of take away that safety, and now that safety's not there, and now here comes Ertz who's gonna run like a corner. Corner and then roll it up as a go. And now Lattimore's behind because he's playing cover two, so he's playing a zone. He's going, uh oh. Hertz had like four yards on he, him. He had him. I mean, it, no joke. It was about a 10 to 12 yard underthrow where if he just throws it out there, Urz is going to go get the ball. He's got him beat. And it's not a man to man situation. It's a zone. It was a perfectly dialed up play call. But yeah, Foles tried to kind of like 
place it up there instead of yeah. really just driving it and let it go. You explained what happened on that Aguilar quick throw that Foles was protected. He just didn't think he was because he saw a blitz, yeah. which sucks because he would have had time. He would have had that. That would have been a big play. The Rams, I mean, the Saints did a really good job of not doing anything like mind-blowing on defense, but never really calling the same defensive coverage twice in a row, changing looks, disguises, really played simple coverages, but never let, I think, the play callers and Peterson and Grove get a feel for like, oh, they're doing this on this down. Yeah, you gave a lot of that credit to Dennis Allen. Yes, You said it. that when Brandon Brooks uh, went out, it was huge in the running game. It was. The Saints took over the line of scrimmage. Cam Jordan got uh, came alive. And really, it, it... I forgot that Brooks and Rankins went down like two out of three plays. And the then same Fletcher injury. Cox was like five oh. Plays later, yeah. uh, the turf monster was a, was alive. But you really said it wasn't just the right guard was Nooski. The rest of the offensive line really got beat. Yeah, they started to get beat up a little bit as the game I'm went. Sure, on. it was a confidence thing. For yeah, the I mean, Cam Jordan started having his way with uh, you know Lane Johnson on the right side. I mean, Ungar. Uh, I mean, not Ungar. Uh, uh, your damn uh, Kelsey. Kelsey had a few plays here and there where yeah, guys just you know. There, there was more mistakes than we saw in weeks past, and the, and the Saints have a deep D line, and they were fresh, and you know I think that that all played into it as well. And the thing that killed me, yeah, the interception to end the game. Apparently, on the other side, Foles had a touchdown. They had, I think Foles was. I know this play. Okay, so um, yeah, I, I think that so Foles Alshon was, ran, ran the slant. Yeah, they basically ran. Alshon was running. What for a cover two concept? If there's two safeties, they tell Foles work to your left side, and the inside guy runs like a 15 yard in cut, and Alshon's running a five yard straight across. So the Not first guy kind of clears out some people, right. and Alshon comes over underneath, right? Because if it's cover two, you kind of get the will linebacker out there, and he goes with that guy who's running the deeper right. in cut, and now there's an area. But I think they fooled Foles on the coverage. They went to a single safety look. They were showing like they were going to go too deep. They rolled the single safety, and he should have been on the other side where there was a post and then Ertz running a corner and the back in the flat. It's like a three-level concept. Yeah. He's got the post for a touchdown. And Who then, was the post? Uh, I believe that was Aguilar. <sighs> yeah, he's got him for a touchdown. I can pull it up real quick if you I'll want to see it. Later. Okay, but he's got that if he wants it. And even if he doesn't, he's going to have a high-low on the guy in the curl flat area with the guy who runs to the corner in the back where if he, he's going to be able to play I'm just still pissed they rushed it. Yeah, exactly right. Because the big thing is, right. why do you need to get that playoff? I know. I don't want Drew Brees to have any score time the ga- Score right. the game-winning touchdown with eight seconds left. Other side of the ball, how did Drew Brees do? Uh, you wrote first play of the game, which was a pick, should have been a house, house call. call. Bree- Brees had to put everything to throw 40 yards, and he couldn't get it there. <laughs> yeah, Brees' arm was a little concerning in the game. I can't lie. You know, Breeze was still made some great throws and pressure and some of the in-cuts he hit to Michael Thomas. You know, he had people in his face, and he threw it in there. Yeah, like It was beautiful. It was. It was beautiful, his timing, his rhythm, all that. But, yes, when some of those power throws are there to be had, like he threw, a, I think, on the first or second, the second drive of the game, he's got like a 12-yard out route to Teddy Ginn. And, I mean, damn, I mean, he had to, like, give it everything he had to get it there. And Rasul Douglas almost picked it. And it was a pick six. It ended up being incomplete. But there was a few throws in the game where I was like, damn, it's there. But Breeze just can't, you know, he's he's 
kind of limited in how far he can launch the ball or drive the ball when a deep post or a deep seam route might be open. Uh, you wrote the biggest thing about that fake punt was other than taking Cox away, yeah. is it kept that Philly defense on the field yeah. and kind of really started to wear them down. Because before that, you wrote Cox, Bennett, and Jernigan were unstoppable. Unstoppable. Uh, and, and you know what? Fletcher Cox, I, I almost want to say, like, I don't want to be a jerk, I don't, but I almost... I don't think he believed they were really going to fake it. And that's why he just got taken back. And- I mean, he just didn't fire off the ball. He's got guys blocking him. they got no business blocking him. I mean, none. I mean, it's not, there's not, wasn't one offensive lineman in there. I think he just thought, like, okay, our defense is in here. They're clearly not going to run this play. And Sean Payton's crazy, and he said, oh, no, we are. We're going to run it, and we're just going to wedge it in there. Damn. And, yeah, Cox hurt his knee. You know, that's – and. You know, came back after a while of like missing plays. And then went out again. Yeah, and then went out and then came back and looked really good. Like him and Rasul Douglas, like like Rasul Douglas, I don't know what happened with him. What was his injury? I don't know either. But I mean, your man Hawkins totally messed up the fourth and two touchdown. No shit. It was the perfect play call. They had By it the ready. Way, I'm okay when you like give me the my man shit. He ain't my man. All right. I don't know this guy. Okay. I'm not claiming him, okay? Yes. Okay. You wrote worst, All Eagles are yours. You wrote worst game of the year for Andrews Pete. And yeah. I, I, I've never – I mean, that's the Fletcher Cox move, man. Oof. That's He can make you have your worst game of the year. He can. And Jernigan, too. I mean, they all they, – Jernigan he, had one moment during the game yeah. where they had the overhead camera, and he just started dancing, and he's got all the gold teeth, and he's like, hey. Like, I love defensive linemen like that. I know. Yeah. Well, you know what I got pissed off at? When he gets the one play when they're backed up and they call them for, like, uh, taunting. Mm. Like, come on. I I don't want to see taunting penalties for just talking crap in the NFC Divisional Playoff game. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. What about when Danico Autry rolls his body right now? Well, I don't want to see that. You know my (laughs) thoughts about that. You're not a big fan of that. Franks and beans in my face are not my favorite thing. But talking shit and like really no one would have even known he was talking shit. He was not making any demonstrative thing. He was just leaned over telling Alvin Kamara, like, probably, you ain't fucking going nowhere. Yeah. We're stopping you all day. And they yeah. throw a flag. Like, I hate that crap. Come on. Uh, the other things that you had here, you said Michael Thomas in traffic. No one is better. Nobody. I mean, so just, that's where he's number one. That's where he's number one. Yes, I mean he's just fearless. He's like he a, is definitely fearless. He's like a small tight end. You know what I mean? He's. He, I, mean, I would argue I, he's more physical than Ertz. I mean that's what I would say, right? And Ertz is the mm. tight end. He's just. Oh, you're bodied up on me. Arr, arr, I'll wrestle with you, and then I'll jerk my hands off the last second, and I'll squeeze the ball and get a completion. Way to I break mean, the mic. Yeah. Uh, and you wrote Sean Payton's ability to stay with the running game is a skill. It's a skill. I mean, he just. I go back to what Jim Schwartz said in the first matchup. Do you remember this quote? No. Where he said, I still think Sean has Bill Parcells in his ear saying, don't forget to run the ball. And, I I mean, that's where I think Sean Payton's genius is. is Not that he's worried about yards, but he's going to continue to make you defend that and try to wear your defensive line out for the pass game. It's why those 18-play drives are suffocating. Yes. Because you're going – Oh, here we go, third and six, and it's the Kamara run, and you're like, "Damn, I feel helpless because I, I have no idea what's coming yeah. right now." Yeah, he's uh, he's great at staying with it, even when it's not going good. And then the other one you wrote was Taysom Hill can fly. He is a fucking weapon. Well, that was another play where Breeze. You know, if you remember right, they run Taysom Hill. He's at wide receiver in a tight split, and it's it's three match. I mean, he's running by Avante Maddox. 
I mean, he's like he is moving. And Breeze comes off play action pass and just can't get it to him. He just can't reach him. So wow, yeah, because Breeze is a little bit maxed out at about forty-five to forty-nine yards. I mean, that is all he's got. You should challenge him at the Super Bowl to see who could throw it fit farther. Because I just realized but, that this whole time I've been rooting for Chiefs Saints or Chiefs Rams because I just I'm done with the Patriots. But a Patriots Saints Super Bowl is just going to be Belichick going beat me deep, beat me deep, Drew. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, you're. I mean. And, I, and I haven't even thought about exposed. it. My first thought was that's not the best matchup for the Saints is the Patriots. No, it's the worst. Yeah, because, because the Chiefs, it's man-to-man. It's Michael Thomas. Take on that guy. But the Patriots, Bill's going to get up on everybody. Well, Gilmore go- could go mess with a guy like Michael Thomas and yeah. make life hard. And J.C. Jackson certainly can cover anybody else. And then New England has big people up front to slow down the run. Like The best but- thing about what we're doing right now is – I don't. I didn't get any good insight for the betting show tomorrow because it's all, all four teams played really well. Yeah, and it's really going to come down to like it's an interesting betting weekend. Yeah, it is. I so I, I mean I don't even know what are the spreads right now. Do you want to just throw them out to me right now? Three and a half Saints are favored. Still and three Casey is favored. Three spreads are in, half. Three and a half and three huh. spreads are in your inboxes. Yeah, that's how close these games are and will be. So we have the betting show tomorrow. Yep. Uh, we'll announce how far you are behind. You still have a chance to come back. Do I really? Yeah. I mean, if you get them right and I get them wrong, yeah. you need to pull left go. You need to hope that I pick teams that you don't pick. Yeah, right. Hmm. It's hard it's when you read my notes. That's the advantage that <laughs> Hopefully I Hopefully I didn't leave any tells in there this week. No, I'm waiting for the time. Well, the good thing that. is all four teams like were clearly the better teams this week. Yes. Now, I get disappointed when we get to championship weekend and I go, man, one of the four should not be really there. got outplayed and won. And that's yeah. when you can have a bad Super Bowl matchup or a bad AFC championship. Like the Colts beating the Broncos out in Denver. Remember that year? Yes. And right. Then the and then the Colts got England, killed like they have in the no play chance. game. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right. So again, email simsandleftgo at gmail.com. If you want to come to Atlanta to one of our shows, it's filling up quickly. Tuesday at 5, Wednesday at 5, Thursday at 6, Friday at 4.30. Uh, hit us up on social. Josh is always posting fire content. Fire. And, and we're hoping to get Phillips Mahomes impersonation sometime soon. Yeah. For Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fendrick. Good evening, everybody. And for the LAFKOE. Man. We will holla, holla, holla at you later. Holla.